This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, everyone, let's do this. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you along with the CTO, Michael Remus. And uh, got a great show coming up today. Lots of NHL news to discuss of course, we'll uh, quickly hit on the, the great news for Blue Bomber fans released yesterday and the Open Championship well underway across the pond at Royal St. George's. We'll get to all of that coming up over the course of the uh, next hour and a half or so. Guests will include Tim Campbell from NHL.com. Really looking forward to Tim's take on the Jets situation heading into the expansion draft in the next couple of weeks with the draft and free agency. And with so much news happening around the National Hockey, it's going to be great to welcome in Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period a little bit later on today. Um, Big shout out to our family of sponsors, always with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend Country Club, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Assiniboia Downs, and Cool Bet Canada. And again, um, I'm going to be heading up to Aikens first thing tomorrow morning, so I won't be at the show tomorrow, but the host of Skates and Plates, our good friend Brandon Rewicki, is going to be sitting in with Michael Remus tomorrow, and Matt Liable, the sports rabbi himself, joining the program on Monday to hold things down with Remus while uh, I'm out hopefully catching some big fish at Aikens. Let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Remo, what's going on? How are you? And... uh Man, it just seems like every single time you fire up your phone or take a look at the uh, computer, there's some new NHL news to discuss. Yeah, how you doing? Great to be here. Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, to think less, or I guess a week away, we'll know you know the results of the expansion draft. Uh, pretty wild. And yes, uh, this is a wild time. I think these wild, th- you know, three weeks this week, next week, the week after the free agency, and maybe one more week. I think there'll be a couple dead weeks in August of limited NHL news, but it seems like all you know every day we're having something big. We had the Keith trade, uh, we had a bunch of other moves, and today uh, we did have a couple signings by the Panthers, a buyout, and la- late last night we had the announcement about Shea Weber, um, you know, possibly. Hang- I don't want to say hanging up the skates because there's cap recapture <laughs> if he were to hang up the skates, but. Uh, May not be physically unable to play again because of a foot injury. That that's what you have to say. Yeah, that was a wild, um, a wild report last night from Rene Lavoie, and and Rene Lavoie might not be a um, a household name to many English fans, but he certainly is the insider yeah. when it comes to the French side of things, and has broken tons of NHL news, uh, but specifically to the Montreal Canadiens. And um, he tweeted this out last night. I'm hearing the Montreal Canadiens won't protect Shea Weber for the expansion draft. Following the latest medical evaluations, he could miss all of next season, if not more. And when I heard that, Reem, I mean, forgive me, but after what happened with Tampa and Marion Hosa becoming allergic to his equipment after playing every game in a season, I, uh, I am a little bit skeptical on these things. And when I heard that, you know, right going into the expansion draft that all of a sudden Shea Weber is exposed, but he may never play again. Don't pick him. I'm like, is this just a matter of Montreal sort of, um, you know, utilizing their captain and some legitimate injuries that he has acquired over a very rough and tumble career and a long playoff run 
to help them in a situation. But the more you hear reports out of Montreal, and I mean, I guess you have to take them at face value. Certainly the suggestion is out there that Shea Weber might not play again. And it, it creates a fascinating scenario for Montreal as to, I mean, that hole in the blue line is massive. I'm sure you're getting a bunch of cap savings if he's not there, but you're also having to replace your captain and Shea Weber on the blue line. Um, but it, it, it is interesting because of all the questions that we had about Montreal coming out of the Stanley Cup final going into this offseason, Shea Weber wasn't one of them. And all of a sudden, if he's unavailable to play and not part of the Canadians going forward, um, you know, for Mark Bergevin, there's a lot of work to do, but it certainly does give them more options and more wiggle room if he's not on the protected list for next week. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we're just kind of seeing this, as we mentioned last expansion draft, it was teams giving up two players in order to protect one. I think teams have learned from that, and they're, no, they're saying, no, 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 we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, we're just going to buy guys out and pay them not to play with us so we can protect other guys. Now, as Paul, you know, Shea Weber, I'm sure um, he's battled, what, foot injury, ankle, uh, knee. He's had a lot of uh, a lot of ailments. He sat out, you know, part of uh, this season as well with an injury. Not, not sat out, but he had to miss time due to an injury. So I don't think, I guess, it's too surprising, but it definitely uh, helps them, you know, with the salary cap. And if he were to go on LTIR, he wouldn't have that cap recapture if he were to retire. So you mentioned the Blackhawks doing this with Marion Hosa after he developed a, or the allergy. He could no longer go on, Huss, with the allergy uh, to his equipment. He had that horrible skin <laughs> condition. Right, so, as soon as his contract went to a million bucks a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was just a horrible or fortunate timing, whatever uh, you want to say. Horrible for Marion that he couldn't continue Hall of Fame player. But I, I think we are seeing, uh, sorry, Florida, you know, making some moves today, buying out Keith Yandel, who I thought was a productive, you know, third pair D who can play on the power play. But they're, you know, bought him out so they can protect, you know, Gus Forsling, who they then signed to an extension. So um, teams trying to maneuver. Uh, their way we did, and we also have Ben Bishop waving his no movement clause. We thought, you know, maybe he was a bio candidate, but he just waved, and you know, maybe Seattle would take him as a long term project. But uh, the big news: Shea Weber may not play again, and so we'll, we will wait and see. Well, let me give you this from TSN and Darren Drager. Um, TSN Hockey Insider Drager reports that it's leaning unlikely that Shea Weber will play again. And his contract status could end up in a dispute between the National Hockey League and the NHL Players Association. Um, he says the league has not commented on Weber's status, but if its stance does not soften, Weber's case will likely end in a dispute with the PA. Um, he is, of course, one of the last active players in the league playing on a deal that would include a cap recapture penalty from a front-loaded 14-year, $110 million contract he signed with Nashville in 2012. Um, that, of course, was the Philly offer sheet, which was matched by the Predators. He's only due $12 million in actual salary over the next five seasons. Um, now, here's the key thing. If he were to retire as opposed to landing on LTIR, the Predators would face a cap charge in each of the next five seasons, starting with a $4.9 million charge in the upcoming season and building to a charge of $24.57 million in 25-26, the final year of Weber's deal. So what's fascinating about this, Remus, is that it's not necessarily the Montreal Canadiens that would be feeling the punch. 
It would be the Nashville Predators. And I mean, in this cap world, and again, let's assume that the cap goes up, but how much can it go up in the next few seasons? $24.57 million in dead cap money from Shea Weber. And I mean, that is the... That was the danger of some of these long front-loaded contracts. You knew at some point it had come back to bite you in the ass. And that, of course, was also part of the uh, the risk they had when they traded Shea Weber for P.K. Subban. Um, but the fact of the matter is that this is one of these things. The teams are going to want, and I mean, the PA is going to want that money to be on LTIR. So that money is available to pay other players. The National Hockey League, from a team perspective, is going to want, I think, that you know, the uh, the letter of the law be followed and the spirit of the rules be followed. And if Shea Weber is done and he's retiring, the penalties will come to be played. It'll be interesting to hear what Tim and Dennis have to say on that topic. Um, and that could be a very, very contentious issue when it comes to the league and the PA. You know, this is, um, uh, you know, entirely different topic. But I've been kind of thinking over the last couple of days, Hess, how the salary cap, I, I don't know if it's like, do I guess it's doing what it intended in terms of, you know, divvying up revenues and expenses evenly amongst the uh, revenues amongst the players and the owners. However, so often you have teams trying to find ways to get around the cap. Um, you have teams that can't keep, you know, their players together because, you know, these young guys are getting too expensive. Um, you're having, everyone can offer the same money. So where are free agents going to sign if you can offer the same money? I don't know, te- places with no state income tax like Texas and Florida. I often wonder, maybe it's just me, and I know I'm kind of derailing here, like what the league would look like if they went to a luxury tax instead of a salary cap where, you know, you had to pay a penalty if you went over instead of all this BS about, uh, you know, buyouts and, you know, not being able to keep uh, RFAs. I think it's just interesting because I think the salary cap has created a lot of, you know, issues, but teams seem to find are are getting good at uh, maneuvering around all the rules and well, I, yeah I, I, and, and listen with i think with any with any uh, framework of rules yes people will look to push every edge of that and try and get advantage on their competition and i think we're sort of seeing that right now mm-hmm. but from the integrity of the cap and we've talked a lot about the way that these you know contracts were signed and the nhl was pretty clear that when you know they did the last cba that the cap recapture was significant to not encourage those sort of things going forward. And, and listen, as a Winnipeg guy, I mean, I think we all, for the most part, support the salary cap because, to be honest, if the salary cap's not in place, we probably don't have a team. They probably didn't come here in the first place and mm-hmm. probably not be, not able to be competitive um, the way they have been over the course of the last little while. And listen, if you ended up going to a luxury tax system and let's say teams like Winnipeg, you know, weren't paying the luxury tax and we're still under that 81 million, it does, in my opinion, give, you know, an advantage to an MLSE, a New York Rangers organization, some of these big markets that could just buy their way out of those problems that the small market teams don't have that option. So I don't really yeah. support that. I understand why people or agents will look for that. And I mean, there's a lot of people that go, hey, the salary cap is BS. So, you know, let go. I mean, fine. It, it, you can go that way, but be prepared for a league that has, you know, four or five teams that really contend every year and a bunch of other teams that are just sort of in the league. And of the 32 teams in the National Hockey League, I think it's safe to say that if there wasn't a salary cap, you could probably take the bottom third of the league and um, and write them off every year if they even become teams. So um, I, I don't know. I think that this was imperative for them to grow. And let's face it, with the current 
you know, financial climate in and around professional sports and especially the league coming out. The salary cap, I think, is in a lot of ways a bit of a saving grace as they do have some cost certainty at a time where nothing is certain on what's coming into the organizations. Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's fair. I don't know. I was just thinking about it. And, you know, you see it in bi- uh, you see, there's a lot of, you know, p- things people might think that would happen. But I think you're seeing in baseball that a lot of different teams are winning and are able to compete. Yeah, you know, certain teams like the Dodgers spend a lot, but took them all to win. And the, the tax money does go to uh, other teams. But we can move on to more more real uh, real topic <laughs> topic sort of derail uh, the whole yeah well whole no thing it's in, listen it's interesting and this is the time of year where we spend a lot of time talking about the framework of the league the mm. salary cap uh, penalties and God I mean with a situation like this with Shea Weber I mean this is the guy that was the captain on the team that just went to the Stanley Cup final um, he's got a massive cap hit every year all of the, I mean there any conversation right now when you're talking about the off season for any team in the NHL is done you know, with the salary cap top of mind. I mean, there's no team that isn't, you know, into me. Even if you're not up near the cap, that might give you opportunities to do things with some other clubs. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, the Arizona Coyotes have been one of those teams that, you know, haven't been taking in a lot of money. Remus, I saw a report today that their internal cap is likely in and around $65 million for next year. Um, You know that there's been a changing of guard, coaching and whatnot. I mean, it's sort of like they're, firing up again in the aftermath of the entire John Chica era. But it was interesting to hear that Darcy Kemper mm-hmm. uh, name is out there. I mean, I think Aiden Hills got a, you know, a good potential going forward and he could definitely be a, a player that would be protected. I think if they protected Darcy Kemper, Aiden Hill might be likely to get selected by the Seattle Kraken. Although we'll really be able to see what that finalist is coming out of the weekend when it's all there. Uh, but both, uh, I believe it was Frank was talking about this today, or Frank Saravelli, mm-hmm. both Colorado and Toronto, quite interested in the services of one Darcy Kemper. Colorado might have a bit of an inside track on Kemper because, of course, with Grubauer being an unrestricted free agent, uh, they would have no issues acquiring him before the expansion draft and protecting him. Leafs a little bit of a different story. Even with Freddie, uh, Freddie Anderson leaving, they do have Jack Campbell on a pretty team-friendly contract for another year. So if they were to acquire Kemper before the expansion draft, they would have to make a decision between Kemper and Campbell, both who have the one year left on their contract. Yeah, Frank Cervelli's got his new column, uh, The Icebreaker. Uh, the Icebreaker on Daily Faceoff. He's putting out his trade targets. See, if you got to call him, you got to come up with these fancy names, trade targets. He's got good names. Sounds like uh, Darcy Kemper is going to be on that list. And, I mean, he's been pretty solid. He's got one year left. The thing for him is he's making real money, 5.5. His cap hit is 4.5. So on a team like Arizona, you know, wants to save some money, I mean, you can cut, you know, $5.5 million there. And he might be attractive to a team. Or a team like uh, Toronto, who uh, has less cap hit, but they don't mind paying that extra million. Uh, I saw some interesting tweets from Andy Strickland from FS Midwest. And he's got a good podcast, the Cam and Strick podcast. So uh, another leaf, Zach Hyman. He says, teams won't be getting him on a less than a seven or eight year term, depending Whoa. on who he signs. Or I think that's a bit. He's 29, Huss. He's got injury problems. He plays a tough game. Uh, I'm I'm not too sure if you want to be signing anyone, let alone a guy like that, to a seven or eight year term. I don't know where you stand on Zach. Yeah, I mean he's a great player, but that I think giving a lot of that that much term to anyone, as we've seen, uh, is dangerous unless it's like an upper echelon superstar player. 
Yeah, and and, and you know, as far as uh, the uh, Hyman situation, uh, Drager reporting um, that there is plenty of interest league wide, and the Leafs, I think, seeing the writing on the wall, have actually granted Zach Hyman's agent Todd Reynolds permission uh, permission to speak with other clubs to investigate trading his rights. Uh, now, again, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, so the value of Zach Hyman not particularly high on the trade market. But if a team really did want Zach Hyman and a team was willing to go the eight years um, and give some sort of an asset to get that done beforehand and getting it done, that could be something. And I guess, you know, if you're Kyle Dubas, I'd rather get a fourth or a fifth round pick than nothing for a guy that I know is walking out the door. And the one thing, Reem, is from all the uh, guys reporting in and around Toronto, it certainly does seem that the writing's on the wall that the Leafs with the the um, contracts that they've signed and the commitments they have financially going forward just simply can't do it. Um, you know, unless you're moving out one of those other uh, highly paid players, and I don't think that's happening anytime soon, there's just no money for uh, Zach Hyman mm-hmm. under that salary cap. And, you know, be sure to your point, if there was a luxury tax, I don't think we're having this conversation. They're like, hey, yeah, we'll pay him a, a little bit of a premium to go forward. I'm not a lot different than holding your nose and buying out a player for um, for what you don't have. But it does look like Zach Hyman will be leaving. And I, I really am fascinated to see uh, where he goes. And I mean, I hadn't heard those numbers, a seven or an eight year deal. But if there is that much interest um, and who knows, maybe this is a bit of a trend we're seeing right now. I mean, let's think about a couple of the contracts that have just popped up recently. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the Nuge, goes eight years with Edmonton. And Joel Erickson Eck went eight years with the Minnesota Wild. And I think part of that was, you know, in a lot of ways, obviously the eight years is probably not how long the teams wanted to sign, but that was the way that they could get a manageable cap number going forward that fits within their framework of the salary cap for the next few seasons. And, you know, on an AAV, I think both of those deals were real solid for the teams. The big question is, how are they going to look in year six and year seven and year eight when these guys are on the back nine of their careers? And in Nugent Hopkins case would be around 18 or 19 years in the league. Yeah, Nugent Hopkins, uh, I mean, he's a bit older. He's 28, and so that will take him to 36. Eric Sinek, you know, he's 24, so it'll take him to 32. So that, that one I think could work out well. We'll see about Nuge. Um, you know, we're talking about Nugent Hopkins. Uh, Andy Strickland also reporting um, on Twitter just 26 minutes ago, and we've heard about this from Dreger as well, that about the distance between uh, Landeskog and the Avs. Uh, he says... The Avs have made three offers to Landeskog since the end of last season, a four, five, and an eight-year offer. The last offer coming in just above the same contract that Nugent Hopkins got, eight years, uh, 41 million. So that'd be an AV of 5.125. And uh, we're being told that Landeskog, he's not happy with the offers that he's been getting from Colorado. And it would be tough to see him in any other jersey. But, you know, we're seeing the squeeze of the flat cap. Maybe you know, he does end up moving on and, what a shame that would be uh, to lose their captain. Or maybe he says, you know what? This is uh, this is my home. This is where I've come up and uh, I want to continue. Um, that, yeah. That's one to watch. No, no, it, it certainly is. And, it, you know, in some ways I sort of liken it to the situation with St. Louis and Alex Petrangelo. I mean, Petrangelo ended up getting to July 1st and, you know, it was tough for him to leave St. Louis. It was his home. He'd won a cup there. I mean, unfinished business for Landeskog and the Avalanche. But you leave Colorado, you're also leaving you know, a Stanley Cup favorite team for next year. Um, but again, money talks. And, you know, this is, you know, probably his best chance for one big long-term contract. 
And if the team that he's played in his entire career with isn't ready to pony up, Landis Gog will see what's out there on the market. And I have a feeling there certainly will be some suitors. We'll get to all of that and the Jets situation going into the expansion draft in just a minute with uh, Tim Campbell from NHL.com. Uh, do you want to remind you that hockey season is just around the corner? I know we're talking a lot about the offseason right now, uh, but with the health restrictions loosening, I know everyone involved in the sport is looking forward to getting back on the ice and getting down to business next year. And Royal Sports for 35 years has been your number one hockey store in the city of Winnipeg. When it comes to skates, sticks, equipment, anything you need, hockey, Royal Sports has it all. And uh, I will tell you, the Hasbeaks do a heck of a job of training their staff to uh, do some fine work on the skate sharpening machine as well. So when you think hockey, you think Royal Sports, but it's summer right now. Soccer, baseball, fitness gear, camping, bikes, you know it. It's the best store around. Pop in, dominate summer, and get ready for dropping the pocket. Royal Sports, 650 Rally and EK, and 750 Pembina Highway. The heat warning is in effect, and that means it is blizzard season here in Manitoba. The Nick and Nicky DQ Group, DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, both with drive throughs uh, DQ Polo Park and DQ St. Anne's will uh, have you and your family ready to go. They've got the Kit Kat blizzards back. The drumstick's my favorite. The Mint Girl Guide cookie one is uh, a hot one these days as well. And if you're having some sort of a gathering now that things are loosened, why not be the star of the party with the DQ ice cream cake, you can order one in advance to uh, Nick and Nicky by simply hitting them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Uh, I have a feeling we'll get lots of blizzard feedbacks and takes coming after this hot weekend here in Manitoba. And our friends at Boston Pizza are back open. Uh, this great news yesterday. Patios 100%, 50% inside the dining room and the lounges. And when you're there, whether you're inside or outside, you'll check out their new summer menu, including... The Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich. I think a lot of people in Winnipeg can get on board with that. The Burger Italiano and some amazing summer cocktails featuring the Bulldog Margarita Fishbowl, the White Sangria Smash, the Peachy Mojito Royale, the Vizzy Hard Seltzer, and the Galaxy Fishbowl. All of the Boston Pizza Manitoba locations are awaiting your return. It'll be great to be back, and we'll look forward to having a few pints at some point soon at a Boston Pizza location. All right, lots going on in the National Hockey League, and lots of intrigue as it comes to Kevin Shiveldayoff and his decisions with the Winnipeg Jets going into next week in the expansion draft before the draft and free agency. And to discuss all of that, we welcome in our good friend Tim Campbell from NHL.com. Tim, how are you hanging? What's going on? I am well, Hustler. How are you today? Uh, I'm well. Um, great weather. Looking forward to getting away for a couple days. But to be honest, um, you know, we had sort of a slow week around Canada Day. Cup final ended. And um, it's strange because, you know, and everything's been strange for the last 18 months. But holy smokes, Tim, we're right into it. There's been tons of interesting NHL news breaking this week. And I'd have to say with an expansion draft, a draft and free agency over the course of the next two weeks, um, it's going to be very like whether you're in management, a fan in the media, um, there's going to be a lot to keep track of over the course of the next few weeks and um, a lot of changing players and moves. Uh, I think we should expect to see happen. July goes out with a bang. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I did a little, I don't know, happy dance, I guess would be the right thing after the Stanley Cup final ended because it just seemed like. Um, I've been a closure to some of this, you know, the wearying 
extended season that seems to have last, you know, since a year ago, March, right? I, we didn't really have a whole lot of summer. Yeah, fall was kind of dull because we're all waiting for things to get going again. But I don't, to me, it's just seemed like about a 19-month season. And But, you know, quickly after the Stanley Cup final, you realize there's lots of lots of events ahead here and important ones. Uh, so July will, will continue to be busy. Uh, it included the Stanley Cup final, and now it's going to include, as you said, the expansion draft and the draft and, uh, you know, a big free agency a day and period, which begins on the 28th. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, with a flat cap, there are a lot of teams squeezed, um, a lot of teams looking to change, including the Jets. Um, uh, it's a recipe for a lot of events. And and we have, you're right, we have seen some pretty interesting ones already. I mean, the, the double buyouts in Minnesota and, um, you know, and some of the trades already, Duncan Keith going to the Oilers. It's all um, it's all setting up for a pretty intriguing couple of weeks. You know what? I'll, I'll get your thoughts on some of the things that have happened around the National Hockey League in a sec. But let's start off with the Jets situation going into next week. Um, you know, I had an mm. interesting conversation with Marat earlier this week, and we were talking about Andrew Kopp's situation. And I sort of said on the program that, I mean, if I'm Shevel Dayoff and I'm the Winnipeg Jets, I'd like to have a firm idea going into the expansion draft as to where we stand with Andrew Kopp. And, you know, it is somewhat of a unique situation. They went to arbitration with him. He was pretty clear that that was not a fun operation. And he came out of it with, uh, you know, not feeling great about everything. Now, he had a career season. I would make an argument that if there was ever a time for him to sign a long-term deal right now, is that time for Andrew Kopp? But how... If you're Shevel Dayoff and you're having early discussions with Kurt Overhart on cops uh, on cop status, does your thought change going into the Seattle draft if you think, yeah, we're definitely going to get something done with Andrew Cop, or on the other side of things, holy smokes, this is going to be really tough to get him what he needs, and we could be staring down arbitration and a one year deal and him walking as a UFA. Well, if we've learned one thing about you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Jets, I think over 10 years, it's, you know, they do have a pretty extensive reserve of patience. So um, I've never known Kevin to be in a hurry to get anything done. Um, they certainly have their own plan. Um, they like to, they'd like to implement it as quickly and as efficiently as possible, but I haven't never, I've never known the Jets to rush anything. So um, if there's a deal to be done uh, before the expand, well, before the trade freeze begins this weekend, uh, and before the expansion draft, then um, I have a feeling they'll find a way to do it. But if it's a process that must take longer because the leverage points haven't been reached, and you know more negotiations and the filing for arbitration and the threat of arbitration, and then the actual arbitration hearing, uh, you know, hanging over both sides' heads to maybe force them together to uh, compromise. I mean, that's what they'll do. I, I, I'd be really surprised if the Jets were ready to move on from Andrew Kopp. I, I, I read the piece you mentioned in question, and um, you know, you, that's why you never say never in hockey because you really don't know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, and, and one event affects another in, thing, in ways that you don't often foresee. So um, whenever a player is headed for free agency, I guess it is a – there's always risk and there's, it's always a conundrum. How much do you pay? Can we afford, you know, can we afford the cash? Can we afford the term? Sometimes the term is more important than the cash. Um, you know, and I don't know what the answer 
for Andrew Kopp is I agree with you a lot. You know, this would seem to be an opportunity for a long-term deal, but in some ways, I, I suppose, you know, with a flat cap world, um, yes, he had a career season and a very unusual season. Um, but I think as with most free agents, we're going to find out uh, what's the most important factor for them. Is it the money? Uh, is it the term? Uh, is it being on a team that's ascending or has a chance to win? Um, you know, or is it just the location as you know, we find out with some players that simply prefer to play where the weather is warm. Um, but you always find out after the fact because um, nothing tells the truth more than a signature on a piece of paper, which happens to be a contract. So I'll be the one of the ones waiting to see. I, and I don't really have a good sense of when it's time to make the decision or make the deal. But um, I imagine they're hard at it already. Well, I mean, it, it, and, you know, of course, this is all within the conversation, the fact that there's an expansion draft next week and Andrew Kopp in all likelihood yeah. would be a player that the Winnipeg Jets would protect. And I don't think he would ever be unprotected. But I guess my question I is, Tim, you. I guess my question for you is, Tim, if if you're Kevin Dayoff and you're, you know, having these conversations, Larry Simmons is having these conversations with Kurt Overhart. And I'm not suggesting this is the case, but if it were, if you were getting the inkling that, like this isn't happening. I mean, he does not. He doesn't want to sign long term right now uh, for whatever the reason. This isn't the time, and they're willing to do a one year deal, or they're just willing to go to arbitration and then see what happens. Does that change your line of thinking going into the expansion draft nope. or potentially moving on him beforehand? No, nope. um, I mean, there's only what forty eight hours or so. Uh, it's uh, the trade freeze. It's 48 hours till the list goes in. When does the trade trade freeze begin? In the next day or two. Um, so you know, if if now I'm a little uncertain, I, I can't. I don't make that leap. I, I just that's me. I, I don't want to speak for the Jets. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I that would seem to me a bit of panic. Um, and unless there's been some kind of dire message delivered to the Jets, you know, from Andrew, maybe through his agent, maybe not. Um, you know, that would. I would have to think fly in the face of what's been said to this point uh, publicly anyway, uh, then I, I wouldn't see any way the jets would leave him off their protected list. Uh, um, yeah, the deal may not be done. Um, but I would, I would think that there's at least enough faith that, you know, that he likes his teammates, that he sees some hope here. Um, you know, that he, he sees a fit here that, um, you know, maybe it would be his preferred solution. Uh, so I, I wouldn't want to ever be getting ahead of myself on that. And I, I wouldn't, I would see no circumstance barring some kind of dire private message where, you know, Andrew Cobb suddenly is on the outs with the jets in terms of the expansion draft. All right. So let's assume that that is the case. Something gets done with Andrew Cobb, regardless, he's going to be protected. He's in the mix. He's not an option for the Seattle Kraken that leaves in all likelihood Mason Appleton as an exposed forward We'd have to assume they're going to protect Josh Morrissey. They're going to protect Neil Pionk. And then it comes down to, honestly, this has been a topic that's been driving this show, I think, since we started in March. Uh, <laughs> it was it was the third, you know, it was funny, Tim. I was talking to Remus before we came on the air. Our first show was March 8th. The, the second Monday was the 15th, was show number six. And that was right after Logan Stanley had finally got back into the lineup when Nate Bolio got nicked right. up. and. 
we talked about it. And I said, listen, I'm just saying this right now. I think Bolio's getting Wally pipped. This is before we knew that he was out. But I said, I don't think, I don't think Stanley's coming out of the lineup. It took me only one week to then come on and say, I'm, uh, I, I'm furthering this. I don't think that the Jets are going to let him go in the expansion draft. And uh, it really, I think if you talk to most people around the Winnipeg Jets, this tough decision for them, barring some sort of a deal, is Dylan DeMello, veteran, signed for three more years at a pretty good deal of $3 million, an important member of a blue line that really needs it, or a young player in Stanley who acquitted himself very well as a rookie and a player they picked in the first round that they have invested four years in developing up until this point. Um, It's been fascinating to hear people on both sides of it. Where are you? If it's up to you, who's getting protected and who is exposed? And do you do what it takes like they did last year to pay whatever the price it is to make sure both of those players are with your team next season? Well, I, um, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll go to that, the, your final point quickly at the beginning here, and that, that'll lead me nicely into, you know, my revelation here for you. Um, but, you know, the sen- I've been talking to a couple of general managers this, this week in the West, and the sense I'm getting from them is that, um, yeah, there's still, you know, there's still a week to go or a number of days to go here before the actual expansion draft. And there's a lot of things in play. There's a lot of conversations being had. But the sense is at this point, a lot of lessons were learned from the Vegas episode of 2017 and all of that process. And that there are many more general managers this year ready to just, you know, make their list as best they can, uh, have the crack and take take a player um, because everyone's losing a player and just move on that there's no. Um, there's no good case anymore to compound the damage or potentially compound the damage of losing one player by trying to finagle your way through or manipulate the Kraken. Um, A lot of damage was done to a number of teams in 2017, trying to sort of fix the outcome. A few teams probably got it their way and some other teams paid a very, very heavy price, you know, to lose one player. Um, So, the sense I'm getting is there'll be not that many deals um, with the with the you know codicil that things could change, but it doesn't sound to me like there are a whole majority of general managers ready, you know, to sacrifice other assets to sort of predetermine you know or to get their way with Seattle in terms of who they'll take. So leading that into the Jets, then I mean you've all, you've always had to be resigned that a a good player was going to leave. Um, you just try to make sure it's not your number one goalie, you know, a top pairing defenseman or a front line forward. And, you know, you could argue, argue that Dylan DeMello fits with Josh Morrissey as a top pairing defenseman. So um, I think we've come to learn um, that Dylan is a pretty stable player. Um, he's a pretty smart player and he seems to be very complimentary with with Josh, but me, I think it's his name you're going to find on the available list next week. And it's not, in my opinion, because I don't think he fits here or he's not wanted here or he's just not a desirable player. I think he's all of those things. But what trumps it is uh, you have um, a rather large young defenseman who has begun to take steps uh, of NHL quality um, and Logan Stanley has begun that process now in a in a more tangible way this season. And like you said, it only took you a week to see 
uh, where this was headed. And, uh, you know, I think Paul Maurice and other, the other Jets, the, his teammates, and the management of the Jets and the other NHL teams, and that's a, an important point, can see where this may be headed. Now, you know, I, I've said this a few times, you know, the Jets picked Logan Stanley on a bit of a flyer in 2016. They, they, if that was their only first-round pick in 2017, I have my doubts as to whether Logan Stanley would have been the name they called that season. But with Patrick Laine already on the list and a second first round pick um, that they had acquired, you know, this seemed like a worthy project and a, a bit of a flyer, a bit of a gamble. And to me, this is a gamble that's paying off. And we're certainly not there yet in terms of how to judge that selection, even though it's, you know, five years ago. Uh, there's still a bunch of more years mm-hmm. to go before I, I think you could pass proper judgment on that selection. But now that we're seeing some of the mature steps and and we're also seeing that it takes time for some players, that not everybody is Patrick Laine or Nikolai Ehlers who can jump right into the NHL and be an effective player. But you've got a guy who, you know, could look Zidane O'Chara in the eye, and there are not many of those in the NHL, and it looks like he can play defense in an NHL game, you know, under NHL fire. And it looks like he has some ability to skate and certainly has an ability to move the puck. And he's just begun uh, the process here of, of experiencing NHL games. Uh, you have to believe that if he's made it this far with all the challenges that have been in front of him, that you know there's still a learning curve in play, that he could certainly uh, potentially get a whole lot better at, at the things he needs to do. I don't see, you know, out of 100 instances of this, to me, it would be a hundred out of a hundred times you have to protect that in the expansion draft. Um, you you just cannot afford to let go a player uh, with that kind of wingspan who can move the puck and you know whether he turns out to be a physical tough player in the future. I, I don't really know. I, I'm not sure what the finished product Logan Stanley even looks like yet. But um, the ability to get into a game or two or three. And then after the adrenaline goes away, continue to perform and, um, you know, learn and navigate your new and, you know, all the opponents in the league don't know you, but they're going to push you and challenge you at every uh, at every turn because you're a rookie. To me, he's passed all of those tests. And now we move on to the other challenges that are still forthcoming, which will be, you know, a second year in the league. It's a, it's a natural thing to have a bit of a, a lull or a dip. So can he get, you know, successfully navigate that? Um, I'm going on and on and on here, but like, and I don't want to seem like Logan Stanley's headed for the Hockey Hall of Fame, but to me, there is no way you can let that go out the door in an expansion draft, you know, given the time you've invested um, and given what the, you know, potential returns are, you know, remembering that some of the monster defensemen, the large body defensemen in the league uh, in the past, we've, you know, we've seen some of them, you know, grow into their own and become, you know, better and better and better. And even even past their 30s, um, still getting better and more valuable. You've got the potential of that on your roster. You're going to do everything you can to protect that, in my I, opinion. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I agree. And I mean, you sort of did a great job at laying it out. And and I think and I've told this a number of times on the show before, but I think it bears repeating 
Um, we were on the draft floor there when that day when Line <laughs> went first or went right. second to the Winnipeg Jets. And later on that afternoon, they made the pick of Logan Stanley and Mark Hillier, but an hour later came and sat down with us and was very clear saying, this is a very different pick. He's going back to junior for two years. And then he's going to the American Hockey League probably for two years. He's literally two years away from being two years away when they picked him. And he said, at that <laughs> point, at that point, we'll yeah. have a better idea about, you know, what, what sort of a player we have. Well, that year was this past year. And I know a lot of people and probably the majority of the Jet fan base had written this guy off because they'd heard how bad he was and what a terrible this pick they was when they were scrolling their Twitter feed. And then they actually watched the games this year and went, wait a second, maybe they've got something here. And I go back to that for a draft and develop team for all they have put in and all they have invested in Logan Stanley. I just can't wrap my head around after the season that he had that they would be willing to expose him to an expansion team because I can tell you one thing. If I'm Ron Francis, Tim, and I see Logan Stanley on that list, uh, it, it takes me a .1 second to draft that player yeah. as you know the potential that he have going forward. If it doesn't work out, you're an expansion team. You've got a lot of time to work on it. But if it hits, it's so good. And that's why I don't think there's a, well, I mean, there's a possibility, but I don't think when we see these lists come out that Logan Stanley is going to be in the conversation for the Kraken. No, I, I think you've got it. My opinion is you've got it right. And um, yeah, I, I do. You know, I remember the draft day. We were all there. And, you know, some folks there going, what? what? You know, what are the Jets doing? Like, I, I, there's some people that I talk to regularly and some junior hockey folks that I know, you know, even after all these years still, uh, you know, removed from the, from the few years I covered the Ontario Hockey League, uh, you know, back in my formative days. Um, and I had, a, I do remember having a few people saying to me that day or in the following days of that draft in Buffalo, what are the Jets doing? Like, don't they know that Logan Stanley can't stay skate? Or don't they know that Logan Stanley's afraid? Or don't they know that Logan Stanley's not that smart? Or, you know, his hockey IQ is not great. Like, I heard a lot of criticism of that pick back then. And, you know, and, and for five years, anybody that w would wanted to debate it, like, I wasn't going to say the Jets were right or they were wrong. But the context was needed. And I, you know, I laid it out earlier that with Line A on, you know, on board, they had some flexibility in their own eyes. Here was a chance to, you know, maybe swing for the fence a little bit um, and don't do, you know, don't do the predictable thing. You, you know, an unusually tall, large player here who's, you know, we've scouted him and, and you know, we kind of know and we're willing to take the gamble. And, and you know, some of those folks who, I do recall, and I have had these conversations in the last six months. I mean, some of those folks that, you know, I, I talked to you about that in 2016 have, you know, I, I wouldn't say they've come all the way around, but uh, I, I would believe they've modified their opinions based on, you know, the things they saw in some of the regular season and playoff games when Logan Stanley was playing for the Jets and still cutting his his teeth as a professional. So, um you know, five, we're five years on from that pick, and only recently are we seeing the actual evidence that this, you know, could turn out to be a good pick. You know, I don't, I don't want to put any ceilings on it. I don't want to make any predictions what, you know, what the finished product is, you know, the th or the things we'll be saying about Logan Stanley when his NHL days are done. But, um, 
you know, I don't, I don't understand sometimes why people are in such a rush to judge. I mean, I, I recall hearing one of the hockey night uh, talking heads, uh, forgive my phrasing, um, but you no, know, not long after Logan Stanley started, and still there was a sort of an implied criticism in the intermission about, you know, this guy's been in their system forever. You know, they're, you know, are they just giving him a chance so they can move on to say they did or. You know, I and I sat in front of my television that night and just shook my head because, <laughs> it, you know, from the outside, people get they get stuck in their opinions. Um, you know, they've probably made a snap judgment or two in their past, and they're unwilling to change their mind. Um, and you know, we we've all heard it with different players before um, how we're you know all ready to pass judgment on this draft pick or that signing you know, within a week or two weeks of it being made. And to me, Logan Stanley is the poster boy for, you know, everyone has their own timetable. Everyone's different. And when, you know, it doesn't go your way in a week or two, you're ready to send the ship down the road. Well, exactly. You know, that's crazy talk in hockey these days. It's absolutely crazy talk. I know people are sick of me talking about being more patient, but, you know, to me, this is a great example of why patients can pay off. Well, and it wasn't even like they were extra patient. I mean, this was the plan. As I said, they, no. they, they called the exactly. shot the day they drafted him. And um, so listen, right. we've talked about Stanley and we're on the same page. Um, you know, it's certainly not a unanimous opinion. And I know I was talking to Remus. He's more on the DeMello side of things, but let me ask okay. you this, Tim. Um, well, then I'm, I'm surprised Remus hasn't cut me off already. See, no, no, it's good. Well, you've got. To, I'm away for the next couple of days, so we'll hear that point of view quite a bit. I'm sure coming up okay. with Brandon or Matter on with the guys. But um, let's talk about Appleton. I mean, in your opinion, right? Um, I mean, Appleton's a really strong young player. I think could absolutely be a middle six player on the Seattle Kraken and probably a lot of teams in the National Hockey League. Um, the cap hit, I don't think, is as important for a team that has no cap expenditures right now. I mean, they'll be as flexible as any, but certainly the team control going forward, I think, is attractive. Let's just say we're right and Stanley's protected and it comes down to Dylan DeMello or Mason Appleton. Um, who do you think the Jets are more likely to lose and how much will that depend on, for instance, the other defensemen available around the league when we see all the teams protected lists on the weekend? Yeah, that you know, that's the $64 million question, I think, for the Jets, and pretty much however you slice it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't e- even begin to guess how Ron Francis uh, will be thinking uh, heading in. I mean, they've got, they're going to see the lists on Saturday. Uh, I believe they're released to the public on Sunday. And, now, and then there's still three more days for them to, you know, run the scenarios in Seattle. I mean, and they will spend probably the better part of 72 hours running every combination they could think of to see what's the best. So, um, you know, between DeMello and Appleton, like it, it probably matters some as to what other defensemen they see available. Uh, I would think you maybe would like to build from the back out. If, you know, you'll find the centers you can find and then build from the back out. So you can defenseman might be slightly more important than a wing, a winger. So I guess if I had to, tell you right now what i'm thinking of the odds are it's probably 55 45 i would say more risky that Demello will be chosen but you know losing either player is hurtful but you just have to get over it i i, I can't emphasize this enough especially to fans who are 
stressing over the draft and who will be lost. Like every team's losing a player and some teams will lose a better players than others, depending on, you know, where their lists are, where they are in their own development phases. Um, and you know, the jets kind of, to me, they fall a little bit in the middle. They don't have any star player problems that, you know, let's say for instance, a Calgary flames problem where, you know, I don't see any way that Mark Giordano can really be on their protected list. And, you know, he's the rock solidest citizen you're ever going to find in Calgary and, and uh, pretty important there, but, you know, so the jets don't have a problem like that. Um, but you know, it's hurtful when you lose a player in, in this scenario, they managed to escape it, I suppose, in the Vegas go around uh, pretty well. Um, it costs them an asset to, you know, have Toby Enstrom overlooked and it worked out for them. So this time I think there's going to be a bit more pain. Uh, when either or is gone, but you just have to get on with it. I, um, you know, they've known for three years that this was going to happen. And, uh, you know, you have contingency plans. You've got players in your system. You'll have a bit of cap space then for whatever player is goes missing from your roster. And you'll just have to implement that the best way you can going forward. And I, you know, I, I, I won't like it, I suppose, as a fan that Mason Appleton or Dylan DeMello are the most likely subtractions. You know, I, I think that hurts the Jets, but everybody's getting hurt in some way, in shape or another. And the teams that move on from it quickly with a with a concise, solid plan, those teams are the ones that'll be better off. Well, and of course, a lot of those answers and of what those plans are, we'll find out a week afterwards and free agency gets going after, of course, the draft in between. Um, Tim, thanks so much. I imagine uh, you'll have a lot coming up in NHL.com for the next couple of weeks. I want to tease anything for our listeners. Yeah, we got a fun, a fun little project. I think it comes tomorrow. Uh, just a quick tease. Uh, we, we've gone through the history uh, back to 1967 and all the expansion drafts, and we've we've put together our all expansion draft team. So look forward to that in the coming days. <laughs> right on, Tim. Thanks so much for doing this. Always a pleasure. Hopefully, we can maybe catch up in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to free agency, which will, of course, will be a very hot topic around Winnipeg. Enjoy your days off, us. Thanks hey. again. Thanks so much. There he is, Tim Campbell. Give him a follow on Twitter, at TimNHL. We'll continue the hockey talk with Dennis Bernstein in just a sec. Before that, I want to give a big thank you to Not Auto Corp, sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. If you're thinking about a new whip, people, start at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? And if you're in a lease or a vehicle that you're looking to move on from, They'll help you get maximum value for it through their very successful consignment program. Not'll also fix your car, Red Seal technicians in their service department, or make it beautiful like new with a full detailing package. Whatever your needs, the gang at Not Auto Corp has it for you. Visit them at Waverly and McGilvery, or check them out online at not.ca. Um, I've been telling you all week we we're going to be pushing 35 degrees Celsius on the weekend, and that means... You're going to need to be hydrated. You're going to want a few waters, but you're definitely going to want a few of these amazing new summer lagers from Little Brown Jug. We've got the new Hefeweizen. Those are also available in the summer variety pack. And Little Brown Jug's made it easier than ever to get it delivered straight to your house 
with their home delivery program at littlebrownjug.ca. You can pop up on there. Got some great merchandise as well if you want to stick that in the order. Uh, and Little Brown Jug also. I've seen them at Victoria Beach lately, the Wosley Farmer's Market. They'll be at some of the gardening centers. If you go to littlebrownjug.ca, check the events page and some of the areas in the community where you can connect with Little Brown Jug over the course of the weekend. And, of course, maybe the easiest spot we got the great news yesterday about the loosened restrictions. Tap rooms open again. Patios at 100%. Um, pop down and see them in person at William Avenue at the tap room. Beautiful patio. Grab a couple slices of pizzas, a couple cold 1919s, and whatever you need from the brewery, you can pick it up there as well. Big thanks to Little Brown Jug for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, our friends at Boston Pizza. Uh, we're we're, uh, we're, we're going to get that. We'll get onto the patio. Um, and speaking of patios, Breezy Bend, uh, our wonderful golf partners, course is in great shape. Going to get out there when we get back from fishing. Uh, but in the meantime, our golf reports for Breezy Bend can tell you that Louis Oosthuizen is leading the Open Championship at six under par. Uh, had a wonderful round this morning. He's one shot ahead of Jordan Spieth and Brian Harmon. And look, a couple Canadian flags up on the leaderboard. Mackenzie Hughes, four under par. He's two shots back, tied for fourth. And Corey Connors finished with a two under par. He's in the top 20 right now, so great start for a few of the Canadians. If you're interested in uh, finding out more on Breezy Bend for the upcoming season and getting on the waiting list, you can do that at breezybend.ca or give Corey Johnson a call there at the station. All right, let's get back to the hockey talk, and it is an absolute pleasure to welcome in from the fourth period, it's Dennis Bernstein. Dennis, what's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? Hustler, it's great to be with you. I'm so happy this vehicle is available for Winnipeg sports fans. I'm just thrilled for the success and always great chatting with you. Let's do it. Oh, well, it's you know it's a great time to have you on, and thanks so much for doing that. We uh, spoke with uh, Dave Pagnot a couple times in the sure. last couple of weeks, and we thought this would be a great time to get you on as a uh, you know, I guess we should have expected this. You know, you get a couple of lull days after the cup final, but we knew there's so much going on in the league as it pertains to free agency. And of course, next week's expansion draft. Let me first off ask you about a couple of the, the big stories this week. Uh, sure. What was your reaction when you heard that not only Zach Parise was bought out, but Ryan Suter as well by the Minnesota Wild? And if you wrapped your head around the sort of cap <laughs> penalties that Bill Guerin's going to be dealing with in year three and four of uh, what's to come now? Yeah, Billy, look, I, I say this about Billy. I know him from New Jersey. I used to hang out with him at the Verona Inn uh, when he was a player. So I admire like the out-of-the-box thinking, the aggressiveness, because he has to sign Kaprizov, he has to sign Fial right now. Like, it needs the money. So he did it now. Is that a huge hit for the next uh, second and third and fourth? Yeah, sure is. But you know what? Everybody's day to day. Everybody's year to year hustler. So you got to do to get these. You got to bring these guys back. So yes, I think a bold move. But Billy's been bold since he got up there. You know, he took over a boring average team. Finally, Kaprizov came to Minnesota. Really galvanized the team. Erickson Eck has evolved into a solid player. He got it at that nice extension. So. I admire what Billy's doing, and I just wish there was more aggressiveness and more imagination by other GMs, but hopefully this is the start of a trend. But, yeah, that's a big hit. But you know what? you got to worry about it in two seasons, in three seasons. You never know what happens. I would assume that Matt Dumba, this might be his last season here because that $6 million cap it, you're going to have to manage that somehow in years two and three, as you mentioned. But I'm all for it. I'm all for aggressiveness. I'm all for winning now, and the window's open because that team really had – a nice 
revelation season last season. Well, we've talked a lot. I mean, here we saw so much of the wild and they were exact. I mean, we literally called them the boring wild on the show for a few years. Oh, great. The wilds are coming to Bell MTS place on a Tuesday night. You know, get your tickets now. Um, But, but I mean, they completely changed this year. And I mean, there's a lot of Winnipeg fans that were just focusing on the Canadian division. I mean, if you watch the wild this season and the emergence of Kaprizov completely changed that team, but um, you know, you saw players like Parise being healthy scratches and younger players coming in and, you know, a real changing of the guard. And that team will look significantly different next year when we uh, get back to regular play in the central division, as far as Suter goes, um, he apparently was stunned, hung up on Karen, yeah. apparently, when uh, he got it. He's going to end up, you know, making out like a bandit, to be honest, Dennis. I mean, he's going to get 94 of the 98 million he was due yeah. from the Minnesota Wild. He'll certainly make more than that on wherever he goes. <laughs> what are you hearing about Ryan Suter? How many suitors will there be for him? And uh, what do you think, uh, where do you think might be the next landing spot for, uh, you know, a guy that still has, I think, a lot of miles in him? And you're right about one thing, Hustler. I, I think the Parisi buyout we saw coming, right? The healthy scratches, oh, yeah. the, the less performance of the injuries and stuff like that. Suter, I hate to say this, but isn't he perfect for Tampa Bay to sign for one year, one million dollars to win to cap? <laughs> I mean, I mean every, people are going to hate Tampa, you know. Puzzle. Good point. Good point. They're, they're playing chess. Everybody's playoffs playing checkers. I mean, that would be it. And he can call up, you know, Zach Bogosian. He can call up David Savard and say, yeah, go there for a year. You got paid already. So, any team that would have less left side needs, and again, it's it's like a it's not like Duncan Keith. I think it's a little bit better than Duncan Keith, but I think there'd be multiple teams. You look at a team like Boston. I think that's a natural because their left side is not quality. You know, they never really replaced Z or Tory Crew. Now, this is not a replacement, but I certainly think he would help the left side for Boston. So, I think that would be a contending team. I'm not sure what the Islanders are going to do because I think they're really looking to change the uh, shift the paradigm in, in Long Island. I, I think that. You know, with respect to you hear the uh, rumors about Tarasenko, and does that mean that a guy like, what did he do with Suzekis? Did they bring him back? So I think there'll be more than a couple of teams, and they'll get him at an, a reasonable price because I think at this point in time, it's a pride thing, as you mentioned, for sooner. I think more so than Zach Parisi. People connecting Parisi to the Islanders, but I think there's probably going to be half a dozen teams that could say, okay, right price, one year deal, we're a contending team, why not? Uh, Dennis Bernstein with us from the fourth period. Uh, big news over the course of the last 24 hours has been this Shea Weber news coming out oh, of Montreal. Yeah. Lenny Renu Lavoie reporting. And, and it sort of seemed like it's being put out. And, I mean, I realize we're a week away from an expansion draft. And sometimes there's some <laughs> smoke and you have to kind of no, figure out really what's through it. But, I mean, all these reports are saying that Shea Weber could be done. Um, yeah. And then, of course, Drager reporting that this could be a very contentious issue with the PA and the league when it comes to the cap recapture penalty. Sure. Um, what, what are you hearing about Che? How real is this that we may have seen the last of Weber in the national hockey league? And what does this mean for the Habs and maybe more importantly, the predators going forward as, yeah. uh, as this gets ironed out, because we just went through at the start of the show, some pretty yeah. significant hits, including the final year, Dennis, would be $24.5 million yeah. on the Predators' salary cap if they are not allowed to throw them on LTIR for the remainder of the term. Yeah, I think in that case, Hustle, you got to make an accommodation. That, that's just not in the spirit of what we were, but what the salary cap was devised about. So I think that maybe not $24 million, maybe $10 million, I, I think there will be some sort of mediation with respect to that number. Look, I, I know, uh, Renault, uh, if he's reporting that, I think that that's a, a possibility at this point in time. I think it opens the door for Dougie Hamilton 
I think that's what it does in the short term because they're going to have to replace that. There's a lot of feel good right now, even though like, you can debate the merit of Macho being in the Stanley Cup final, watching him play against Tampa. Like, were they the second best team in the league this year? No, they weren't. But I, I think the, the the subsequent move, if it's true that Shea Weber will not play next year, I think W. Hamilton's a no-brainer. He doesn't want to play in, in Toronto in his home market. So I think that would be and look, there'll be other teams lining up. I assume Seattle will take a look at him as well. So I think with respect to the salary cap hit and recapture penalties, I don't think anybody expected that number to be a reality. But here we are with the reality of it that that could be pending. So I think that's a situation where you say, look, this is not what this was supposed to be. So let's figure out a different way to get this done. If it is, in fact, Shea's last days playing in the National Hockey League. Dennis, I do want to ask you about some of the teams that you're close to down in California and some of the other teams in the West. The Jets are notoriously a relatively quiet team. We know they have some needs on the blue line. Um, What intrigues you about the Winnipeg Jets going into these next couple weeks? And any thoughts on the expansion draft? We spent a lot of time talking about the emergence of Logan Stanley as a rookie. Dylan DeMello on the blue line that doesn't score, but, you know, a very versatile and important defenseman to Winnipeg. It sort of seems like the decision is going to come between protecting one of those two. Yeah. And then you got Mason Appleton up front making less than a million dollars that really acquitted himself as a legit top nine forward that I think has potential going forward. Yeah, I think that if I'm Ronnie Francis, like they're really being financially stringent. So you hear these rumors about JVR or Forecheck out of Philly or any big number guy, and they, uh, all I hear is pushback. They, they don't want to go that way. They don't want to take a $7 million goaltender. Like now Ben Bishop is exposed. I don't think Ben Bishop at $6 million is attractive to them. So I would think it would be the lower price guy. So, yeah, I like Appleton who quit himself well. That's a possibility. I really like the little amount of season. And I think that's what you do with respect to an expansion team hustler is that you build from the back end out. So you look at the goaltending. They got some really nice options in goaltending. I think I like the mellow would certainly help a puck moving defenseman who quoted himself well, but a really nice bounce back season. That would be the guy I would target if I'm Ronnie Francis. So I think th- those are some options with respect to, you know, what, what might happen with respect to the Winnipeg roster. But again, is it an affordable loss? Yeah. You could go out and find us some, another player in the marketplace to replace those players. And, and again, I think in the big picture hustler, like you don't want to make the same mistakes that these GMs made with respect to Vegas. You don't want to start giving up additional assets to protect a player or you fret about losing your eighth or ninth skater. I think you're going to say, hey, look, we're going to lose a decent player. And if our system and our drafting was well, we should be able to replace that player. Right? Would it be regrettable? Some of the names you mentioned in Winnipeg, it would, but it's not a devastating loss. It's not top of the lineup, guys. So I think that's the lesson that I think hopefully GMs have learned that might not help Ronnie Francis going forward. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. And Tim brought that up earlier in the program that he'd been speaking through a couple Western Conference GMs over the past few days. And the, the, the feeling that he got was that those mistakes, if you want to call them that, would not be repeated. And there would be a, a considerably less number of mm-hmm. deals made with Ron Francis than were made with George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon. Is that sort of what you're hearing as well? Yeah. And I think just the financial, you know, uh, resistance with respect to big money. Like if you want to make a deal with Ronnie Francis, it's to offload not a million dollar player, but a five or $6 million player. I think that's it. So I think at that point, again, I don't think we're going to see these deals like, you know, Florida gifted two guys to the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Back in the day, you know, and then being what, their top line and they went to I the know. cup final. And, and oh, Shane, Shane Theodore probably would look good in Anaheim also. So that that's right. So, so there's the mistakes that's going to be made. Look, 
and nobody could see William Carson coming because he was a six-goal scorer in Columbus. He was a third-line player in Anaheim. But I think that to give out extra protect that certain players, I, I just don't see it. Like in like with Calgary, like do you really want to make a deal to protect you know, Mark Giordano? I, you know, what about their chemistry? What about their locker room? If that's the guy that you're going to say, okay, we don't need this guy. I don't know. That guy was an undrafted free agent who worked hard to become a Norris Trophy winner. Like you don't need him as part of a winning formula. So I'm really eager to see what happens with the expansion draft. But I will say this for fans out there of any team, don't judge these teams on July 14th. Judge them on August 1st. Let's get through these two weeks. Let's see what your roster looks like, and then you can judge from there. You know, I'm glad you brought up Calgary because, I mean, obviously being here in Winnipeg, spend most of the yeah. time focusing on the Jets, but also do shows on sports at 960 in Calgary. So I've been uh, very intimately following everything with the Flames, you know, throughout the end of the season, a very disappointing season for them and into this offseason. And the big question when we've been doing the shows in Calgary has been, Certainly Johnny Gaudreau's status, will he be re-signed? Will he be traded? But also, and and Mark Giordano, for obvious reasons, is a fan favorite. He's the lifetime flame. He's the captain of the squad. But he also has one year left. He's, I believe, Mm -hmm. 37, 38 years old um, and is making a pretty big ticket. Let's just assume, and all indications say the Flames just won't be able to, uh, to protect him. Right. Is that even, I mean, I guess you'd love to have that guy in your dressing room for a first-year team, mm-hmm. but with one year of term going forward, I mean, is that a guy that Ron Francis would even be interested in, especially when you consider what they're thinking in regards to the salary cap? Husser, I think you need one guy like that. So is it Geo? Is it somebody else? Is it somebody else with a championship pedigree? Would it be, I'll give an example, would it be Jonathan Quick here who's won two cups? Like, I don't think it's going to be that guy. I think it'll be a Cal Clegg or somebody like that. But but I think you need one of those players. You're not going to load three championship guys on this team. So from from a, a leadership standpoint, like you would look at these guys and say, like, who's going to be the first captain of the Seattle Kraken? Will they even name a captain? Like, would it be Gia? Yeah, for sure. That would be my pick. So I think you measure that. I think you do it once because I know they want to be financially stringent, Hustler, but you got a cap floor. Got to get to sixty some odd yeah. million at some point, right? So you can't just pick thirty guys making minimum and, or a million five. You got to have one or two substantial salaries here to get to the floor. So I think that other than free agent signing, so I would do it if I saw that guy available. I don't want to have, you know, I would want to have a conversation with him because you never know. Maybe the guy doesn't want to go to Seattle and retire. Gio made a lot of money. Maybe he's not inclined to do that. I'm not really sure how that spins out, but I think you need one of those players. You don't need a multitude of them. Gio, to me, would check all the boxes for leadership and would be a great first captain for that team. What are you hearing about Johnny Hockey and Matthew Kachuk, who's in a very interesting situation? He has to be qualified at $9 million next year at the end of this contract, and uh, there has been rumblings that maybe he, uh, at some point in the future, would like a change of scenery. Yeah, they are negotiating with Johnny Hockey. I think that, what does that tell you? What's the one name we're not mentioning? Sean Hunt Monaghan. I, I think that's the lure. If they're going to change this roster, I think Sean Monaghan's the guy to go, right? I think Matthew Kachuk, yeah, you got to qualify him at nine and a half, but that's a guy you want on a team. I mean, he's the face of that team right now, and he he's a, he's a gritty disturber. He's the guy you want. He's the guy that if he's on your team, you'll love him. Every The other 31 teams hate him. Right. That's the kind of guy I want. He's a winner. Like he does anything he, he can to win. For me, I, I'm not sure about Johnny Hockey. I guess he wants to stay there. I guess you do need scoring, but I'll be honest with the Hudson, that team's a mess. They they really are. I, I I don't see them as a contender. You know, when you look at the, the Pacific next season, I see Vegas winning by like 35 points. Just kidding. And then <laughs> Ed, Edmonton, 
And then you give me any of these other teams could really come third. So for me, Calgary's really interesting. Look, I had Daryl Sutter here. He won two championships. I did not think that was the right move. And it, the team really didn't respond. So it's Tree's got a massive job here. Like, how did he put together this roster? Who does he trade? Because I can't see this. If you're going to change a team, you got to trade one of those core players, right, Hustler? So I think I think Sean Monahan, when you mentioned these other two guys, there's not much talk about Sean Monahan. I think that's the guy that you're probably targeting to improve the defense or whatever you want to do to, to change the paradigm in Calgary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, we've almost moved on from the Monaghan conversations because it's almost assumed that he'll be available and they're talking about even more change. You know, if, of course, I mean, you know, if you're a Canadian team and, you know, you don't think Johnny Hockey's going to sign, um, you know, are you better off moving him now with a year left of term and getting something back as opposed to just having a diminishing asset? Although if you're out, a guy like Gaudreau probably gets you a pretty big package at the trade deadline if history tells us anything. Dennis, what about L.A.? Um, you know, they got Arvidsson, but I mean, there's been some pretty ugly years recently, and it seems like uh, our real want to the hockey club to maybe make some big moves this season. Uh, what are you hearing about what's happening inside Kings uh, management's heads? And yeah. uh, might Jack Eichel end up in Southern California? <laughs> yeah, I'm the one advocate, I think, still in Southern California, in L.A. for Jack Eichel. Look, Rob Blake has been the most patient GM in the league, right? He's traded away a lot of talent. I could give you six names, and if you look – at the teams that did well in the postseason, like yeah, or, or just played in the postseason, you know, a guy like yeah, Tyler Toffoli, right? A guy, you know, that there's been guys all over the map. Alec Martinez, he traded away six veterans. The only roster players got back right now has been Trevor Moore, who quitted himself last. He had a nice World Championships, but he's not brought back any established talent, and he knows he's got to do that. I asked him at the end of the season media availability, "Is this roster good enough to make this, the postseason next season?" Because it's been three seasons. And he said flatly, no, it's not good enough. So, yeah, Arvidsson, they need another top six forward. And they really need a partner for Drew Doughty. I like the kids. I like Beyondfoot. I like Mikey Anderson. Uh, but they're not top-pair defensemen. They're probably two, three on the left side. So they need to make big moves because you can't manage a team in perpetuity and not make the playoffs. So, you know, they're bottom five in, in TV rankings with respect to NHL teams. Like, when they brought back the, the fans – they were had 25 capacity, which is about 4,500. They were drawing half of that, and I get it. The team wasn't any good, but the only draw 2,000 when you could put 4,500 in the building when the hockey hasn't been around for you know a year. To me, that's troublesome. So to me, yeah, you want to make noise, you want to make splash. Yeah, trade for Jack Eichel. Now the stopping point is Quentin Byfield, and if you think Quentin Byfield is a 35, 35 kid in the future, then yeah, you don't trade him. The problem is is that they've been so patient, Hustler. And when you look at their – and everybody talks glowingly about their system and their prospects. But now when you analyze them, there's one elite prospect. It's Quentin Byfield. It's not Gabe Velarde. It's not, you know, it, it, it's not Alex Turcotte. It's not Arthur Callia. There's one – and so you think you could do this with just one elite prospect and the rest of these prospects? It doesn't work like that. Hustler, if you look at the all these teams, look at T- Tampa Bay – how many guys did they sign? How many guys did they trade for? Rob's got to import a lot of talent. So if it's only Victor Albertson, that's the move. Like that's really troublesome because this needed to be a this needs to be a big offseason. And again, I'm not going to criticize Rob here at, at August 1st. That Victor Albertson's the only move, and I can't think it is. You got to think a guy like Brandon Saad or Jaden Schwartz might be an option. I'm not sure who they would take. They're probably going to be a little bit more patient for the left side top pair defenseman. Don't think it's going to be Ryan Suter because he's 37 years old. 
but they, they have to move the needle here. I, I don't think there's a mandate from ownership because ownership is in absentia. You know, it's Phil Anschutz who lives in Denver and lets, you know, uh, Dan Beckerman run the team as CEO. Uh, but there's got to be a critical message. There's got to be a tipping point where this team is going to be at least close to the playoffs next season and see them make some traction. So, yeah, I would advocate for Jack Eichel. I think the team in Southern California who has a greater need are the Anaheim Ducks, 30 miles south of Staples Center, because they really don't have much in the middle, right? Ryan Getzlaff, who knows what he's going to do now. His uh, contest expired. They don't have a lot in the middle. They do have prospects, but it probably will cost them, you know, a, a Trevor Zegers or a, and a Drysdale, which I think Bob Murray has been resident to do. But and when you look at Bob Murray's track record over 12 years, he hasn't had signature trade. Hustler. So I think that both teams could do it. They both have the cap space and the prospects to do it, but – I think it comes down to risk. Like, is this guy healthy? I think that revolves around it. So while I advocate for Jack Eichel here in Los Angeles, if he's not healthy, I don't trade for him. It's as simple as that. I've got to get some assurances that, that he can go. And look, maybe not even opening that because if LA's not going to contend and they're going to try with some prospects, if he was ready on January 1st when I took a guy who was an 80-point player, damn straight, I would. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, I, I agree with that. And it has been funny hearing – you know, the teams that have been named. Yeah, the Kings are uh, the Kings are in on Jack Eichel, but don't want to trade Byfield. Or you know, the Ducks are the Ducks are very interested, but Drysdale and Zegris are off. I, like, do yeah, they think Kevin right. Adams is like, uh, you know, like I know he came from the business office, isn't an experience, but <laughs> right. I mean, what are people assuming that Jack Eichel is going to be traded for? I mean, that would be yeah. suicide. Buffalo's done enough of those terrible deals. And we saw one with Ryan O'Reilly, exactly. exactly. And how did that work out for those two clubs? Dennis uh, Bernstein's with us. Hey, if you're enjoying the chat, do us a favor, hit the thumbs up. If you're with us live on YouTube, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. We'll have lots more great content over uh, the next few weeks when it comes to all this news around the National Hockey League. One other thing I wanted to ask you, Dennis, and you sort yeah. of alluded to it, and it's interesting with Seattle and you know what they'll take on cap-wise through the expansion draft. There are a number of teams that are in very tough situations capitalized now hey the lightning are but they're just uh working the hangovers off from another stanley cup parade so good problems to have but i have to ask you i mean we think in the past you know the cost of getting cap off um carolina got a first rounder for the pat marlow contract how do you see teams like tampa in particular and any of the others moving up getting to a spot where they can get under the cap right now and how many cap deals do you think that they'll be and what will be the value for teams that are able to take contracts to help teams get under the cap as we get into deal season? Yeah, I think you'll see three or four here. I think that the Islanders are going to have, look, the Islanders haven't signed Adam Pella. Like that's job one. And how do you not bring back Sezikis and, and not keep that fourth line intact? So Lou's going to have to make some, some machinations here. He's going to have to like move a, a Leo Komarov, a Nick Letty, and probably a Jordan Everett. And so I, I think that, and they got to go because their windows open. You know, if you're an Islander fan, hustler, and you're watching that Stanley Cup final, you're like, wow, we scored one more goal against Tampa. We win the Stanley Cup. And I think that's the attitude of a lot. So I think that's a team that needs to make cap moves right now. I think that that would be, the, and look, I was a little facetious here, but if, if I'm Friday Francis, I'm calling up uh, Breeze Bond saying, trade me Yanni Gore, and then I'll sign. Coleman and Goodrow in free agency and recreate that line. That'll be my either second or first line going into the, the, the next season. So I think Tampa's up against it. I think a team like Philadelphia that wants to make changes but has those Voracek and JVR deals, they have to do something, 
right? And the lesser teams are, are, are going to might benefit from that. But I think that would be, not only be capitals, I think there'll be a lot of retention too. Uh, I think that at some point in time, these guys are going to say, okay, we can't move seven, like, like Vegas. I'll give you an example. They can't play with those two goalies again for $12 million in net and not have a number one center and think they're going to win a championship. Like, I don't get it. Like, if it was me, I would trade. I, I would trade Panda. I, I would I would keep Flurry. He won the Vesna. And now you're gonna trade, but you can't do that. You can't lose that same way with no offense two consecutive seasons and think you're gonna do it again next season without making a move for a center. So I think that that's another team that is aggressive that will make those moves, right? They love I call them a shiny toy syndrome. Every offseason, Mark Stone, Patcheretti, uh Petro, like they like the owner likes it. He's active, he's in the locker room after game. So that's a team to watch out for. So that there are teams at the top that you would make moves, but I, I think those are the teams that I would look at. Well, it, it, I, I'm glad you brought up Vegas, Dennis, um, because yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, for a new team in the league, I don't think there is, uh, there's as much pressure to win in Vegas as there is in maybe any front yeah. office in the league. And uh, I know the way things ended this season does not sit well with Bill Foley. And you're exactly right. They have always been uber aggressive going forward. And the interesting thing is the Vegas Golden Knights are the one team that is not going to lose a player in the draft. And, you know, they have (laughs) traded a number of these assets in Suzuki, of course, in the in the Pacioretty trade and some of these other other players. But they also do have a number of top young players. Peyton Krebs, Cody Glass getting ready to move into the league. Um the Caps a ba- major issue when you talk about Jack Eichel, but when you look at the landscape of the league right now, would you consider that maybe Las Vegas would be one of the most likely landing spots for for uh, Eichel if the Sabers do decide they've found a deal they can pull the trigger on? Yeah, they could. Of course, they could do it. I was like, you go look at a guy like Alex Tuck, right? He could be he could be at the top of that deal. You, you would throw you could throw through. I'm not sure that either like Glass should have been here this season. That, that that's my concern. And Krebs, I think, is too young. So if they do want to contend and, you know, yeah, it would be not a no-brainer, but they could put together, I think, a a comparable deal, maybe throw one of their defenders, maybe the White Cloud kid in there. So if you have three or four, it makes sense. Not not from like, oh, okay, there's a need here, an acute need for a one seat, but it's because of that owner. Like how many – how many Jack Eichel sweaters would he sell in Vegas? Are you kidding? Like he might make back the ten million next year on on merchandising sales. So yeah, I think this is a team when you look at the need because look, Chandler Stevenson, I get it. He had he had a chemistry with Stone and with Patches, but he's not a number one center. And I said it for two years, it wasn't going to work, and it didn't work. When push came to something, they couldn't create offense. So does Jack Eichel make sense for Vegas? Yeah, conceptually, it does. I think more so because of the owner's aggressiveness than uh, is there a fit because it's not that that pure number one elite talent that you give them. You give them a nice package, make them better, but then you get in a situation that you mentioned. It could be a Ryan O'Reilly situation. Maybe Alex Tuck's really good because he's on the third line, doesn't have the pressure of playing in the top six, and you can't walk away with a one elite talent or potentially in a Jack Eichel trade. I, I think that could blow up in in, in Kevin Adams' face. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period with us. Dennis, before we go, uh, I do want to ask you about one more question related to the draft. We've heard reports that Matt Deshane might be exposed yeah. uh, by the Nashville Predators. He hasn't been very productive. He's making $8 million a year. We touched on Giordano, which is sort of a different situation with just the one year left and being sure. older. But when we see uh, on Sunday these lists of players exposed, 
Do you expect there'll be many surprises out there? And might might there be a few more highly salary players that will sort of shock people that they're available more so because of their contract than anything else? Yeah, I think I think there will be. Well, can I give you like a guy like um, Evander King? Like I think that that's a that's a that's a potential right there. And, and he Seattle, came off. Right? He came off like on the ice. He had a monster season last year for the San Jose yeah, Sharks. Yeah, Just there's a yeah. lot of baggage that comes with EK nine. There's a lot of baggage, exactly. And you guys know from you know in, in Winnipeg as well. So I think those are the type of plus. I think what will happen. Also, I think we'll see some more buyouts. I think that's it. Like does I know they exposed Ben Bishop in Dallas, right? So and they you weighed that, but why not buy him out? I mean, you've got Ottinger. Uh, you're going to resign Kudobin. Like, what do you need Ben for, right? I don't think he's going to be selected. So I think that's a guy that you could look out for. So I think a combination of a couple of surprises, maybe one of the Philly guys. But um, I, I think we'll see more buyouts here. I, I think because you're going to try to trade these guys or make side deals, maybe with Seattle. Seattle's going to push back and there's going to be retention. So I, I think that's where we stand with respect to, like, really big names. Could I pull one out of the hat? Like, well, here in Los Angeles, give him Maybe Dustin Brown doesn't get protected. Like, you know, he's got one year left on his deal at like 5.2. Um, would he be a great addition to a team's locker room in Seattle? He would be. But would you be inclined to, to take that player? I don't think so. He ended the season. Uh, he was injured at the end of the season. But that might be a big name that if they want to protect one of the younger players, like a Carl Bernstrom, like Dustin could be open. And I certainly think Jonathan Quick's going to be exposed as well because you'd want to protect Cal Peterson. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, one more for you, Dennis. I, I lied because uh, we're getting a couple people in chat <laughs> asking your thoughts. And, you know, being out of the market but following the league so closely, very interested in your thoughts. The question was, what did you make of Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, his you know trade in the season? But I'll expand it to both sides of it. Line A in Columbus, miserable year. Things didn't get going for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, what do you make of that trade? And do we should we expect different for these two young players going into their next season? Dubois here in Winnipeg coming into pretty much the same team and um, Line A hoping that it's a complete fresh start under a new head coach in CBUS. Okay, so my running joke on SiriusXM all season was it was a trade that hurt both teams. So that's that's my sense. So you got to cross your fingers and toes and say, write it off. It was just a lot of controversy, a lot of negative karma around both players. Like if I'm either management team, I'm going at the player and say, all right, we're going to flush that season and let's start again. Look, in Columbus, you got a new coach. Um, look, you can't have a better coach in Winnipeg than Paul Maurice. So if you can't play for that guy. Who can you play for? Careful what you wish for, Hustler. That that's my that's I think the motto of the, of the that's the lesson you learn here. Like it, it, maybe the grass isn't always greener, and you should have stayed in Winnipeg, and you should have stayed in Columbus. I get the coaching situation. So to me, I, I think if you're both they're, look, they're both really talented players when they're on. I, I think you just say, hey, fresh page. Let's turn the page. Let's move on. So that that's my assessment because they're both quality players. When you see them, when you've seen them at their best, they're great players. You got to hope that that some way, shape, or form, they just dismiss last season, move on to still young kids and try to play. I, I'd have more concerns with Lonnie because as you guys know, he's just a different type of cat. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, you know, we saw his comments at the Finnish media yesterday and I mean, uh, let's yeah. just say there's plenty of hot takes on both sides here in Winnipeg. <laughs> Anytime line eight comes up right now, Dennis, this was such a great conversation. Thank you very much for doing it. Let people know uh, where people and uh, a, what you guys have cooking over these next busy weeks in the national hockey league at the fourth period and where they can listen to the show. 
Sure. So the fourth speculation, news, rumors, my Twitter handle is Dennis TFP. Also, we actually are going up to Seattle for the expansion draft. We're going to do post games, a post draft show on Sirius XM, probably around, I don't know, 730 Central Time. So, um, and our hot stove show, which airs if you're in Winnipeg at what, 10, 10 Central um, AM uh, from 10 to noon. Um, for the next couple of weeks, and then we'll be back in the fall. So there's a myriad of places, and like yourself, we also have a YouTube channel for some of the videos. We do trade speculation and analysis. Dennis, this was great. Let's do this again yeah. soon. Thank you very much for joining us here in the peg. Anytime, Hustler. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Right on. There he is, Dennis Bernstein, at Dennis TFP. Check out the site, thefourthperiod.com, and the show on Sirius XM NHL Radio. Great stuff with Dennis. Man, lots of hockey talk. Um, everyone that's uh, with us, if you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button and get a few likes in there. Certainly appreciate that. Appreciate that. And any new viewers, as we've uh, got a bigger crowd today on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and uh, join us. Just about up to 5K, Remo. We're looking forward to uh, getting to that. Hey, um, lots to unpack after those couple conversations. Uh, before we do that, do want to remind you, Brandon Rewicki in tomorrow. Matt Leibel in for me on Monday because I'll be heading out to Aikens Lake. I've uh, been waiting for this for a couple years. World-class flying fishing lodge here in Manitoba. Um, I'll be posting uh, probably some content, some pics and whatnot on my socials, at Hustlerama on Twitter and on Instagram. So give me a follow there. And uh, hopefully come back with some glorious tales of master anglers and hitting the century club. But uh, if you're interested in what, like a world-class fishing trip right here in Winnipeg, where you can be on the water in a couple hours from the city of Winnipeg, find out more Akenslake.com or on Twitter at Akins Lake. And of course, a shout out to our friends at Assiniboia down still waiting for official word on how things are going to work going forward with the track, with the loosening of restrictions yesterday. But I've got a very good feeling that in a very short time, we'll be out in the grandstands. In the meantime, for live racing, Terrace Dining Room is open. VLTs, I'm sure, will be getting open on the weekend, so things will be changing. We'll hook up with Darren Dunn maybe at some point next week or the week after for a full update on how it works for fans, if they want to get out there, betting the ponies and taking the fresh air at Assiniboia Downs. In the meantime, find out all the information at asdowns.com and bet the tracks here and around the world at H. PIbet.com. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Um, Remo, great stuff with Tim. We really focused on the Jets specifically and um, all the news around the National Hockey League with Dennis Bernstein. Um, you know, it is the middle of summer right now. We are in July, but man, there's a lot of interesting and great hockey topics to uh, chop up here on the program right now. Yeah, I almost had to mute Tim us. He was saying uh, to protect Stanley over DeMello, as Tim suggested. <laughs> just, just kidding. Well, you know what? Let's get into that right now because a yeah. we sort of were on a bunch of topics beforehand and then Tim was there. Mm. Um, and as I said, I know you'll have lots of time to get to this with Brandon tomorrow and uh, he'll come yeah. up. But, I mean, I've been pretty clear on this, um, you know, from early on, kind of felt that, you know, the way what had been invested, what Stanley had shown – the potential that he has to be a very, very unique player that's difficult to find, I think means that he's going to be protected. Um, uh, you um, maybe a little bit on the other side, fill uh, everyone in on kind of what you're feeling about this Jets situation as we get closer to the weekend and uh, putting in that list officially. Yeah, I know we can talk about this all week. I was reading ESPN's uh, breakdown on who's going to protect who. Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan doing a great job. They came down to it too. It's the Jets got to decide. Stanley DeMello on D. I know they've invested a lot in Stanley, but 
DeMello now, I mean, you saw what the defense looked like with him out. It was not good. He signed for a couple more years. He's a top pair, uh, plays, you know, reasonable contract. Stanley, it's a lot of potential. I mean, they have potential already. Hanela and Sandberg need a guy. You, he's a known commodity. DeMello, you got to protect him. And look, you leave it up to Kraken, Appleton or Stanley. Appleton, I mean, he's established NHL, but there's also some potential there. You know, he's also under team control. He's more productive now. I think it's, Seattle would probably just take Appleton anyways. And there's an, I, don't, I know there's a lot of D. Uh, Marat, See, I don't think so. I'm not yeah. there. I think Stanley is such a unique player. Yeah. And there's so few uh, players with his skill set and his size. I, I, I would be stunned. I mean, I, I believe, and this is just my yeah. personal opinion, but if Logan Stanley's on that list, that's the easiest and fastest pick that the Seattle Kraken make. That's such and, a, and, a homer, a homer thing to say easiest and fastest yeah. of any other team in the in the league. Come on. Oh, I, ju- I just think that, I mean, how maybe you, on the, you think on, there's going to be another Logan, a Logan Stanley type player out there for an expansion team uh, starting? I don't. I, I mean, mean, I don't think anything close to that. And I mean, listen, I love Mason Appleton. Don't get me wrong. And I think Appleton, if he's the choice, is going to be a player that goes in and, you know, and really turns into a bona fide regular NHLer. Well, I think he's already that after what he did this year. But I mean, what's the upside? What's what's the ceiling? I mean, and I guess, what are you doing? Are you are you trying to build a team that can maybe contend for a playoff spot this year? Or are you picking up players that have the highest ceiling that might be able to make your team great going down the road? And I, and I, and I firmly believe, and you can call it a homer pick, you can call it whatever you want. Um, I think there's a lot of people agree with me that when you talk about the fact that Logan Stanley is 6'7", that he skates the way he does, that he can move the puck, he shoots the way he does, and he showed what he did in, the, in his rookie season – um, I, I think that I really do believe that would be one of the easiest picks uh, picks to make. If DeMello's there, I think it's a much more difficult selection because, as I said, we know what Dylan DeMello is. Dylan DeMello is a solid, steady defenseman that never scores, adds almost no offense, and can hopefully make some of your other guys on the blue line better. I mean, that's important. Don't get me wrong. But is that... I mean, to me, that certainly doesn't trump the potential upside of Stanley. And... I mean, to me at that point, if it's those two players, I think the biggest thing that it depends on, I sort of alluded to this to Dennis, is what the uh, available defensemen look like elsewhere in the league. Because Dylan DeMello is, I mean, solid, absolutely, but he's certainly not a unicorn. And I tell you what, I think if DeMello was available with the contract that he's on, you know, maybe he's a guy, and we saw Vegas try to do this the last time, but they made so many deals in advance that they sort of got stuck after the fact. Um, that maybe is a guy that has quite a bit of value to another team that Seattle can pick and trade. And when, it, and by the way, on that topic too, and I know you'll get into this with Ruiki tomorrow. Um, I, the other reason why I'm so fascinated to see what this expansion draft list looks looks like on the weekend is that. For every guy like there's a Dylan DeMello in Winnipeg that might be available, I think Sheveldayoff is going to be, and other GMs are going to be looking at some of these other players that are available around the league that might not be as attracted to the Seattle Kraken, but a phone call to Ron Francis saying, hey, if you can get this guy for me, uh, we've got player A available or a pick available. And and, and maybe, some, I, I think there'll be more deals after the fact from Seattle. But again, all of it depends on whose names are on those lists when they become public on Sunday. 
yeah, that'll be even more fun. Uh, being coming in on Monday next week, leading up to the, people are asking. There's some there's some good comments uh, in here. I can. Uh, there's a great can, one here. Leave Remus alone, Huss. He's a very nice boy. He shouldn't be judged on his worst opinion ever. What? <laughs> this is like splitting. K. First of all, guys, let's get real. This is that's a joke. Uh, I think it's like uh, splitting hairs here. I don't think there's a wrong answer. A lot of people have uh, different opinions. I think DeMello is a guy, he was on your top pair. You saw what they did against Edmonton. Yeah, for like five games. I, I was mis, misused by the coaching <laughs> staff. He was misused. He was put with a boat anchor like Tucker Pullman there. I don't know. I don't know why. You saw what he did with Morrissey. I think you know what he is. You have other young D in Hanela and Sandberg. Now, Sandberg, he's not 6'7", but he's listed at 6'3". So I... I think you look. You had the D has been was not great last year. I mean, Appleton. I think you can afford to lose. You need to protect a guy who you know what he is. And I think this team has so much potential. Next year, kicking the can down the road. I mean, you guys—they're built to win now. How many years left of Hellbuck do you have in this window? So I think Demel is a guy who can help them now, and he's at a reasonable salary. He's shown to be effective. Uh, that is the guy that you're keeping. You already you have other DeMello, Do you not think DeMello is is the is more replaceable? Uh, then what six seven? Yeah, yeah. Then Stanley. I mean, he played third. He played sheltered third pair minutes. So as a rookie, like we're all talking. I saw Maul Paris. I love Maul, but some of his takes are terrible. Was uh, was was dropping that St- Sandberg's already better than Stanley. How the hell do we know that? Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I mean, like, and listen, I'm big on Vili yeah. Hanela, uh, and I know the Jets are as well. He's certainly in the mix going forward. But, I mean, there is something to be said on having prospects and then seeing how they acquit themselves in, in the National Hockey League. And, listen, we can talk about the way that he was played and the pairing that he was on. I'll just say this. I think Logan Stanley passed every test that he was given so far this season. And, you know, I think we saw with the confidence that he gained, the way he was shooting the puck towards the end of the season. I mean, heck, he was the offensive powerhouse for the Jets in the series against the Montreal Canadiens. I realized the bar was quite low. Um, uh, but honestly, it's a fun conversation, one that is only going to get more interesting. I know tomorrow Rewiki will have plenty on this, Reem, um, because that'll be the final day and the final show for us to talk about it before we actually find out the answer as to whose name is on that list. Uh, maybe tomorrow when you do it. I know we did a poll a while ago. Be interesting to see if tomorrow's poll is any different uh, with the with yeah, the number. I Rent can do it right the now. Only way to settle this home run derby between us and Remus. <laughs> He's got the title. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a shot at the belt at some point as well. Um, I'll, I'll but, only do it on Shaw Park Field where it all went down. I'm, I'd only do it there. We can range to get the field. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's Malpreis. Bring up Stanley's sheltered minutes, Remus. Well, of course. I mean, that's, I mean, like, is that on him? I mean, that's where the coach played him. We've been talking about, I mean, if we're going to, if we're, if we're going to say that Dylan DeMello was a first pairing defenseman when he played five games or whatever it was this year, I mean, I think we also had, and that's because of the coach. Um, I think you can also say that Logan Stanley acquitted him very, himself very well in all the chances. And that's what you expect from a rookie. Um, so again, you know, it's not as it, we're, it, this decision, in my opinion, is not as much about right now today as about what's potential in the future. Not to mention the team control, entry level contract, all of those things. Um, uh, but it, it is so interesting to see how there are differing opinions, and I think the bottom line, Reem, that every Jet fan would agree with for the most part. 
um, is that you'd love to keep both of these guys. And the Jets aren't really in a situation on the blue line to lose anybody. And um, that's why as much as it's tough to stomach, I think for a lot of people that love Mason Appleton, a big picture for the Winnipeg Jets, that's probably the best case scenario, despite the fact that um, it'll be tough for a lot of fans to, to see him go considering how well he acquitted himself playing alongside Adam Lowry on uh, the Lowry line this season. I think it'll be, yeah, I think it'll be tough see anyone go. I mean, Appleton was a late round draft pick, uh, came up with the moose, established himself there for a couple of years and has really, um, really stepped in this year, as you said, with Lowry and cop played well last year. I mean, if he was given a chance for some elevated minutes, I mean, he, they did put him on the first power play in uh, when Shifley got hurt. Maybe it was a bit miscast there, but that just shows you the trust the team had, or it also says they didn't want to bang around the second move around the second pair. Either way, I, I'm high on Appleton too. So, I mean, losing any one of those guys, not ideal. But I think the Jets got to try to win. And Demelli plays more important minutes. And you have him signed for three years at, at $3 million. So, I'm – and you have – look, you have other young D. Um, I think the other thing too is they have young D. Stanley, okay, Hainala, Sandberg. I mean, we talked to Craig Button last year. And he said Hainala and Sandberg were ready. It seems like you know, these guys have been percolating for a while. They're ready to go. But – are you going to start the year with three uh, young, you know, Stanley's not a rookie anymore, but basically rookie defensemen? You got to go make a trade and trade for someone who can help you now because uh, how many more years does Hellebuck have? I think it's like three, right? Wheeler's yeah. got a couple more. Shafley's got a couple more. So these three years, very important uh, for this core group and this franchise going forward. And DeMello is also part of that, that uh, core group. So I would say go with him. And, like, dude, uh, does anyone actually think that Dylan Tomello is like a top pairing defenseman on a cup contending team? Like, I think he's like, I, I, got I, think a lot, like I got a lot of time for Dylan Tomello, but I mean, I, I, I'm not there. I mean, do you not like, like he has zero goals as a Jet, and I mean, no, and it's not just about goals. I realize, but I mean, you know, there's a lot. There was a big thing like they people were looking at Stanley's offensive numbers in junior. Wow, those guys never compute. Well, what about someone that does? absolutely nothing offensively in the national hockey league. I mean, again, this team needs to keep the puck out of their net. I don't really want to move the yard, move the sticks or anything like that. I mean, when we talk about defense, we are talking about being a good team, keeping the puck out of the net, giving Connor Hellebuck a bit of a break and most importantly, getting the puck out of the zone. And I do realize that Dylan DeMello is quite good at that. Um, but honestly, I mean, I think if De- say DeMello was, was was picked up, I mean, think of the way that he was acquired. Um, you know, it was a trade deadline deal on a player with an expiring contract, and they're able to get him to sign a pretty reasonable deal. Um, I, I, you know, this goes back to the cap situation and the squeeze on the middle and lower class in the National Hockey League. Um, it may not be someone that's right at the DeMello level, but I mean, I do think that those sort of players will be more easily replaceable than a massive young defenseman that just finished a really successful rookie season that a team's put four years yeah. of investment to to finally get to the NHL. I, I'm just like, there's just like potential, potential, potential. The Jets need to win. Uh, how much more can you bank on uh Why do you think potential? they draft players? Potential. I mean, no. that's that's just need, how it works. You need players I mean, people that... don't show up, especially defensemen, don't show up in the National Hockey League and win the Norris Trophy no. in their first year. Not but, suggesting that he's going to be a Norris Trophy winner. I can't wait till how that gets uh, t- turned around on me. All I'll say is who next year is going to be playing the more important higher minutes? It's going to be Dylan DeMello. He's going to be on the first pair with Morrissey unless they... Uh, 
they get someone. He's going to play penalty killing. Um, I don't know. I, I agree. It's kind of funny how he doesn't have too many, uh, you know, goals. But look, you do he- hear about all the little things he does well. You don't think Stanley's part of the penalty kill next year if he's on the team? I mean, I have I have to I see what the do. what the team's going to look like because uh, I don't know. You don't think he's going to start off? We know how it runs. How the team runs has it's a union shop. He's starting off on the third pair again. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, although we do have the poll out in the chat. Thanks for everyone. 58 or 68 votes. One more away from a really nice number of votes. Stanley, 72% of the people want uh, to keep Stanley over DeMello. So I don't know. Mark Sports Video is saying, I'm just here trying to rile every up and, and play the heel. I am not. I only come here with my true opinions i'm not i'm not that kind of type oh by the way i did see i don't know who it was mentioning that you know they could have that's jets could have taken adam fox with that pick and yeah well, we all know how that turned out do you remember who picked him carolina calgary oh, was it calgary oh, didn't man. want to sign with them said i'm not in ended up getting traded to carolina then they tried to sign him he goes beat it i'm not signing with you either you can either trade me to the rangers or i'm going to sign there when i finish my fourth year so, I mean, it's great to identify some of those players. Um, the other thing is the, your ability to actually sign them and get them forward. Now, I, I have no idea whether he was on anyone's radar at that time, but I can just tell you, having talked plenty about Adam Fox on the airwaves on 916 Calgary, that's not a really great topic for Flames fans right now because they felt they did the right thing with with picking him and then were put in a situation that they had to move him. And he was... I mean, he was an asset. Reem, do you remember the trade that he was in? Adam that was Fox? the Dougie Hamilton deal. Like Wait, he who? was sort of the Adam Fox. Like he was the extra player. He was the uh, the rights to Adam Fox that no one really knew who he was in the Hamilton deal when they brought Hannafin and Lindholm in from in from Carolina. So uh, so it's interesting. Anyways, it's a fun conversation. I know you guys will have a lot of fun tomorrow with Rewiki and uh, Remus talking all about it. Yeah. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up for us. So make sure you're subscribed. Tomorrow, Rate and review if you're listening on podcast, by the way. Tomorrow is just going to be me and Brandon yelling at the chat uh, saying that they should keep <laughs> DeMello instead of Stanley uh, Protect. Because I know, I know Brandon and I see eye to eye on this. And we're going to lay it out. I'll come in with pages okay. People, of notes. okay. Listen, I, this is my impassioned message to our listeners and especially our viewers on YouTube. I need you guys to show up tomorrow. I need because if this if this is the sort of propaganda that gets thrown out on Winnipeg Sports Talk in my absence, a big leave, leave Logan Stanley exposed party, mm-hmm. I I won't be able to live with myself. So you know who you are. Maul Paris, I'm muting you tomorrow, so we can't have any of your takes. I'm just kidding. I won't, I won't do that. We love the takes. We love all of them. But I, it, it does make me feel good that 72% of you are, uh, are, right, are right there with me on this. I'll say this. DeMello may not score goals, but have you seen him do uh, zone exit, Huss? Oh, have check you seen? out his war. Check, check out, out his war. Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen his uh, graph? It's like among the best in the league. So, I mean, he's above replacement. That's his stats. Means he's not replaceable. Stanley stats replacement level means you can replace him easily. That is such a terrible, such a terrible take. No, that's that's what it is. Look, have you seen uh, Demello's gap control? You can't teach that. And we all know how much Maurice loves gap. He's got a good gap. Hey, we also know how much Maurice loves size toughness that they don't have anymore. (laughs) Well, you know what? Stanley, Stanley almost is a veteran. He was drafted five years ago. He's a man. 
He's played three years of professional hockey right now. So uh, no. I, I don't know. I, Guys, I love the conversation. I love the passion on both sides of it. And as I said, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I, well, be very interesting to see what happens on Sunday when these Stanley was never a top player in junior. He'll never be a top player in the NHL. Huss. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's a take um hey listen quick uh let's get a quick update um at what's going on over at the open championship really does seem like everybody that went out early in the morning had the uh better conditions louis oosthuizen is the leader jordan spieth and brian Harmon are at five under par canadian mac hughes is in at four under along with dylan fratelli how about Stuart sink still getting it done almost 50 years old uh, one on tour this year. Webb Simpson, he was in the afternoon round. He had a great first round of four under par. See what Webb will do. He'll go out early tomorrow. Maybe he'll have a chance to get up to the top of the leaderboard before the leaders get going. Danny Willett, Justin Rose at three under. My guy, Benny on Byung-Hung on Scotty Scheffler at three. Morikawa making his open debut, three under. Tommy Fleetwood there. Victor Hovland at two under. Paul Casey, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, and there is uh, Corey Connors, the Canadian, who uh, unfortunately he had a uh, what a double bogey on five, but three birdies on the front nine to be one under. Got to three under, bogeyed fifteen, finished up with pars. He's at two under par right now, so two back for top Canadian. Uh, Xander Shoffley was one under. Brooks Kepka was one under. A couple of the other guys you may have on your pools: Daniel Berger, Jason Kolkrak was even today. Uh, my guy, Tony Finau, a tough double bogey on 18. Tony was even. Uh, Russell Henley, Kevin Kisner had a great start. Didn't finish that way. He was even, as was Rory McIlroy. Um, actions on the Golf Channel all night. I think it started at about midnight, 1230 last night, and that uh, went all through. Good tip, Remus. I've realized that, you know, it's tough to kind of wake up in the middle of the night and follow this. But what I do is I rewind a couple hours and then let it go. And then you can get up and then just start gradually catching up through shots, fast forward through shots. And, you know, over the course of about an hour and a half, you can make up big thing is you can't really look at your phone. Don't do a big leaderboard refresh right when you get up and then go try and watch two, two hour old golf shots. I don't, um, after the incident of the Super Bowl, uh, what Super Bowl was it? Uh, Carolina, New England. I'm ne- I've vowed to never record sports. I'm never gonna try to avoid using, you know, avoid finding out the result. Ne- I never. You, tr- you tried to. You tried to PVR the Super Bowl. The stu- stupid Winnipeg Minor Hockey Association every single year <laughs> scheduled games on the Super Bowl. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> Bail on my team to watch football? I'm a team guy, Hus. That's I show, right. I show up to games. I got guys on my slow pitch on my slow pitch softball team bailing on games to go to Wasabi. That's not me. I'm staying. <laughs> I'm I'm going to the game. I don't care. I'm go, I, If I commit uh, to a team, I go. So I've had incidences where I have had to tape the Super Bowl, and I'm never I'm never I'm never taping a sporting event and trying. I'll tape it and watch it, but I'm not going to put in the effort to avoid knowing the result. Because it always ends up in disappointment. It never works out. I like, your, out. Take. I like impo- your take on it's this. Impossible. It's impossible. I will just say that this is a little different. It's the British Open. It's happening all night. And essentially, you can just, no. whenever you wake up, 
no. begin watching it without you're gonna any, this is the easiest thing i mean unless you have like alerts on unless your friends are phoning you at five in the morning because uh uh siwoo kim just uh got a eagle on 15 i mean unless you're getting that sort of updates you should be good with this uh anyways that's a tip I didn't mean to trigger you like that. I know you still I'm have. So this fu- is right there with the Dazen incident. I mean, I'm, just mentioning I, PVRing I, of sports. I don't PVR sports. Sorry, I'll PVR them. But again, I won't go through the effort of trying not to find out the score because it's going to get spoiled. Uh. <laughs> Remus, Remus needs a fishing trip too. <laughs> Respect it, Remus. Remo was fiery today. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow! Did you guys see Remo's eyes? And my my favorite one, Litska Wasabi. Lol. That is Man. such a great burn. Like whoever, I hope there's somebody else yeah. on your team that pops on YouTube later on to see this the, take. I'm because s- whoever it was on on the. Uh, what is it? The Glover boys? The, yeah, whatever member of the Glover boys decided that Wasabi was open and he was skipping for the game. He yeah. just got absolutely eviscerated live on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports. I Club. don't want to get more more into it, but it was <laughs> it was causing an issue on our on our team. But I'm b- back oh, in action tonight. Back so. at it tonight. Uh, have you uh, done yeah. any uh, any prep? I mean, some swings. I um, need to do you, uh... swings. I need <laughs> yep. to stretch my hamstrings. We're like just loosened up after a week of uh, like hey, running for the first you this. time. Is there um, you know, you can go to batting cages. Yeah. Is there a is there a slow pitch option yeah. for batting cages? Of course. Where it puts it up. Really? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I've done it. Of course, it's the best. Yeah, I gotta go. You get tired though after you see these guys in the home run derby. Like they go three minutes straight. Man, that takes a lot out of you. I don't think I could do that. I could go like <laughs> ten pitches and then I need a I need a drink. Oh Lord, the time zones. The yes, time zones. time zones. One of the other things that we absolutely love talking oh. about here. Um, couple of quick lines for you for Kubat tonight. Um, we uh, got to wait another day for the uh, couple of days for the Suns and the Bucks to get back at it. Uh, their game is coming up on Saturday, and the Suns are three and a half point favorites. Another big, big win for the Bucks last night. Reem, the Suns were up nine. But it was all about Giannis. Chris Middleton was clutch in the fourth quarter. But I think even if you didn't see the game, if you've been on Twitter even for five minutes, you're probably seeing about 10 different gifts of what some people are saying, the greatest block of all time, really a game-saving block by Giannis on 7-2 DeAndre Ayton. Uh, just an incredible player. Uh, player, And Giannis, after back-to-back 40-point games in Game 2 and Game 3, continues to add to his legacy and for all the people that were saying Suns in four, you heard the chant last night in Milwaukee as they left. Bucks in six. We got a series. Yeah, I think that's what we want. I kind of want the Suns to win, but um, they need their guys to step up. Where was Chris Paul yesterday turning the ball over? That's not going to get it done. Yeah, he stunk last night. That so, was ugly. Uh, we will see. I mean, it would be cool for Milwaukee. And I remember when Giannis, uh, was it last summer or last offseason, where we were all kind of waiting, what's he going to do? Is he going to go to... Uh, Toronto or go to free agency. He did not. He opted to sign the extension with Milwaukee. It would be awesome for that city to get a championship. So what a weird season with everyone getting hurt. You have these two franchises that really haven't done much. Well, actually, sorry, Milwaukee's been pretty good, but haven't won a title in, in quite some time. So um, it would be pretty cool either way. I'm still full, pulling for uh, the Suns here. I, I've sort of turned around. I mean, I was sort of in on Suns and four guy and all that. And 
But I gotta say, I love Giannis. And as a Winnipeg dude, I kind of feel I look at Milwaukee, you know, in the NBA kind of like Winnipeg in the National Hockey League. In that, I mean, they're not really, you know, one of the more attractive cities, if you were or perceived that way, you know, for free agents. Um, they've had to do it through drafting well. They got their franchise player in Giannis. There was the big question as to whether he was just going to do what Shaq did and so many other players and, you know, Anthony Davis, and you're drafted by the team, you go there and then leave as soon as you can. And um, he loved Milwaukee, the people that accepted him, and he wants to win a championship for Milwaukee, a smaller market. And, you know, having a Giannis and the commitment he made has helped them add other significant players around him. So I'm actually kind of cheering for the Bucks right now, and what a scene and, it was. Not to mention they have incredible beer chugging uh, action on the jumbotron at their games room. David Bakhtiari, already a Packer legend, now I think probably one of the best speed drinking uh, linemen in the league. Yeah, that's what you got to do now, Hus. Um, put it on, uh, when you're on the jumbotron, just like chug your beer. I saw a video of a kid like chugging his like Pepsi or something really <laughs> really fast. Did you see that one, uh, Junior? Junior in training going yeah. forward yeah. well i've been to wisconsin a few times i mean it's really there's three it, things that it's known for beer cheese and speeding tickets if you've ever if you've ever driven from minneapolis to wisconsin to a chicago um keep it keep it around yeah. the uh ar- around the speed limit because honest to god there's a speed trap every five miles on i-94 for about six hours it seems i went to milwaukee for a brewers game and like they were paying me to drink there i think we got there the hotel gave us free beer coupons at when we checked in. We went to a beer tour, got some free beers from that. Um, I think we got on it. We took a shuttle from this downtown restaurant to the game. They were like giving away like dollar. The bus driver was like selling beers it's for a dollar. Amazing. And I thought I'm like the bus driver may or may not have been drinking them. I wasn't I wasn't 100 <laughs> percent. Was he sure. wearing one of those helmets I with the know. two cans in and, and the then, straws? Okay, we got to the game and then they give you like a ten they gave us a ten dollar like concessions coupon when we walked in. So I we were getting so many free drinks in Milwaukee, I like almost didn't make it through the game. Uh so I, I'm I'm a big fan of Milwaukee. So great city. I would love to go back to a, a baseball uh, baseball game. What was? Do you remember the place? Did I tell you the bar to go to that you got on the bus? Oh. Was it Kelly's Bleachers? Uh, it was downtown. Because I I, so. I, I, we we went to a spot called Kelly's Bleachers there that um, does the same thing. We sort of went there, you know, posted up for a couple hours beforehand, and they I mean the bus it might have been that bar one. to the game was. What? Yeah, you know what? That, it was wild. It was a great. I think I might have said, "Hey, check that place out." They've got a bus going over to I it. I think I remember and then back texting, afterwards. You know? Miller Park, a pretty cool park too. I like the uh, Bernie Brewer going down the slide on the home runs. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. Hey, we do, but we are kind of winding down. I want to get into a couple things, Hus. Uh, the Stanley Cup. You know, it got disrespected. Do we have horribly. a health update? Do we yeah, have we, a got health a, update? we got a health update. It's <laughs> Stanley Cup. It's off IR. Uh, here it is. Like, how did they do that so quick? Uh, off IR. Looks, that's the bowl. Uh, Stanley Cup tweeting today, ready for my celebration tour. So, I mean, I didn't know you could do surgery on that thing that quick. I thought it went to Montreal. That's that's been a private jet. And like, you know, credit credit to the Stanley Cup for you know, not being mad online at the way it had been treated by the the Tampa Bay Lightning. I would have been totally here for a Stanley Cup, like maybe a warning to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Treat me with respect. Handle me with care. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of parties over the next little while. Let's keep it, you know, keep it adult here. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, the Stanley Cup was the bigger man. And uh, just decide to say he's feeling good and ready to get back on the road. I can zoom in. I can see the Kenora Thistle's uh, <laughs> name in there. I don't know if you can see that on the YouTube. I'll, I'll zoom in. But a horrible disrespect from the Lightning, denting that thing. And Andre Vlasilevsky having the audacity to use the Conn Smythe as a hat. That is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, you're still, still, sick, still angry about sickens that. Sickens me. Yeah. A Conn Smythe's family, I think, needs to put out a press release saying that's not acceptable. <laughs> Mark Swartz video, fire the keeper of the cup. Yeah, is the is the keeper of the cup on the hot seat after this? I uh, clearly like what's he doing <laughs> if he's allowing it to get to get dented? Uh, I I like Phil. He's come on. I've texted with him before, but uh something happened there. I wish there was video of of the den. I mean, there was no video evidence. People are filming these players nonstop. Here I go. Why other? They took it to the local auto body shop. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know a lot about silversmithing. The only real person I've ever heard of with a connection to the industry was the granddaughter of the guy that made the Lombardi trophy that was so angry last year that Tom Brady disrespected the trophy by throwing it from one boat to the other after the Bucks won the Super Bowl. That trophy didn't even get damaged. It was fine. That girl (laughs) needs needs, needs to chill. This is a real... Do you see that dent? The Stanley Cup looks totally fine. So, I mean, I guess it's pretty malleable. I, I had no idea that it, it looks like nothing happened to it. Uh, there was one other story before we wrap up. We want to talk about this, Hus. Uh, here's the headline. Columbus Dispatch. Blue Jacket star Patrick <laughs> Lina criticizes John Tortorella's coaching style. Enigmatic forward says, It was a bit stupid... Not to use my potential and that offensive forwards have to cheat a bit to produce numbers. This is like a yearly thing now, Hus. Patrick Laine goes back to Finland, unhappy with his play, and blames the coaching staff, blames his teammates for uh, why he was didn't have a good season. So uh, he's kind of done this before, uh, you know, telling... Uh, ooh, Pekka <laughs> you know what Yolonen. this is, Reem? You know what? what this is? This is Ruffled Feathers 2.0. This Ruffled, yeah, Ruffled Feathers 2.0. Um here he says, where's, where's the thing? I guess everyone must have rules. You always hope that you will be able to use your strengths. Tortorella did not give freedom to anyone. Forwards want to create offensively. You have to cheat a bit if you want to become a goal king. It's not possible if the coaches think differently, but I do as they tell me. And then he said, I understand the need for a tight system. All players are different. I don't do not even want to be like everyone else. I am who I am and do things my way. Holy crap. Everyone should, you didn't say that was me. Everyone should be given the opportunity to be themselves. Then, of course, you have to play within the team system. I think it's stupid not to use my potential, but then it's another matter what coaches think. So is Line becoming, like, uncoachable, disgruntled? I know he had issues um, with his D play, and I, I think there's some middle ground to be had here. I mean, Tortorella was pretty rigid. He's not the first player to, you know, not work under Tortorella. But we've kind of seen the song and dance from Line before, and... You know, maybe he's more of an angry guy than we thought. He's not that happy-go-lucky. Winnipeg is good. Is good kid anymore? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I get I get sad honestly when I even talk about this and hear this. I love Patrick Liney, and I mean, he scored thirty six as a rookie and forty four the next year. I mean, this guy had eighty bleeping goals in his first two years, like before he was twenty years old. So, I mean, to see the struggles of the last couple of seasons has been, you know, hard to watch for people that are fans of his. 
And, you know, from a Jets perspective, it was something that, you know, was really unfortunate. And I mean, I think there was a lot more to it than just a player and a coach um, for whatever led to him leaving. But he did, um, you know, unfortunately for Winnipeg, as we talked with, De- with uh, Dennis Bernstein, this trade didn't really work out for either team. I mean, Dubois had a very underwhelming year. Uh, more was expected from and that didn't help the Winnipeg Jets. And I mean, what happened in Columbus was worse than that. Um, you know, it ended up with Tortorella leaving the team. Line's got a contract situation coming up. I mean, I don't know what this does to his value going forward, but I'll tell you what, um, you know, if, if Yarmo plans on having Patrick Line as the centerpiece of their franchise going forward, they need to do two things. Like basically they need to do three things. They need to figure out who's going to play center with him and get a guy that can get him the puck and get the most out of him. Um, I think it also needs Patrick Line to sort of realize that, you know, it's great to be a goal king, but, you know, are, do you care about scoring goals? Do you care about winning hockey games? And the truth is somewhere in the middle, and they need you to score to win. They also need you to play a certain play, play a certain way um, to help the team win. And, um, man, the new head coach there, I mean, that's uh, – you know, he, you know, he comes from within, of course, Pascal Vincent's going to be there. Um, it'll be an organizational challenge to, you know, but again, this is 2021. I mean, it's a player's league right now, and it's not different than in a lot of other, other sports. If you have a star player that doesn't like the way he's being used and is struggling for it, I mean, at some point you got to do things one of two ways, change or move on and get other players. And uh, it'll be fascinating to see how things go in Columbus, especially when you see the way that roster is looking this year. I mean, there might be a lot of opportunities for him to get goals. I don't know about the wins, though. I'm a big Line A fan, but uh, I don't know. Does it seem like he just wants to stand at the uh, top of the left circle and smack one tease, score some goals, collect a paycheck? I mean, he did get benched. He mouthed off to the coach. Um, I don't know. I like. I want to. I want to like this guy, but it's like second season, off season in a row, or you know, two out of three, where he goes back to Finland, talks to some publication, and uh, just puts it on everyone else. And not and not himself. So I'm I'm just saying that's what it looks like to me. And, and I want to like Line, a, but also I. But the caveat, you know, we get mad when players don't say anything. He's saying stuff, and now we're like ripping him. Well, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, listen, I'm with you on that. And the funny thing is that, you know, I mean, Line, a, I think, and maybe this starts with the way that he was handled here in Winnipeg. I mean, he said a few things, and we all, you know, got, you know, we all talked about it nonstop, and. You know, at some point, I think they sort of, I don't want to say muzzled him, but it was probably suggested whether this was from his agents or whether it was from his club or both, um, you know, to tone it down a little bit with his honesty. Um, he doesn't tone it down when he's talking to people back in Finland. And then it inevitably gets back to North America and we have all these same conversations again. So, um, listen, I hope it works out for Line going forward. I think he's an incredible hockey player with a great future. Uh, but it's going to take some change probably on the side of the people that are in control, the Blue Jackets. And it's, I think, certainly going to take maybe a little bit more maturing from Line to realize um, what it's like to be, you know, a, a member of a team. And listen, he's done it before. I mean, I still maintain that, you know, in the 2019 playoffs against St. Louis, I mean, it's funny, you look back at that series. I mean, who are the guys that were getting it done? I thought Line was great and I thought Buff was great. Unfortunately, those are the two guys that weren't members of the team. Uh, well, Buff never again, and uh, Line, of course, making his way out. But um, now, had to get that in there today. One, mm-hmm. one other incredible take, Remo, before we finish up. 
Uh, Conor McGregor uh, came clean uh, about the uh, the fight on the Saturday, and we knew that there would be some sort of walking back. But um, you know, maybe now we should think of Conor as like the greatest athlete ever because he fought Dustin Poirier apparently for an entire five minutes with the broken leg. The leg, according to Conor, broken before the fight even started. Take your loss and move on. Take Man, the L, Conor. This is geez. why. This is why I never liked him. The guy just like spouts off. And I, everyone's just like getting so hyped up. I never got on the Connor train, although I did admit I did pay for his fight with. I paid money to see him fight fight oh, Floyd oh, Mayweather, yeah. but uh, so I did get on there. But I only did it so I could see him lose. Uh, so I didn't want to see him him win. But I mean, come on, man! You lost. You got beat. You didn't look good. If you had a broken leg, why are you even there? Why are you throwing kicks? Like, just shut up and move on. Yeah, Although we're no talking doubt. about it here, so maybe keep talking, right? Yeah, <laughs> keep, keep doubling I mean, down he, more. He, he, he'd be more concerned if no one was talking about him. Uh, back to lining for a second, Maul Paris, and I think this is a great point. I think there's a problem with the translation of Finnish to English. It's possible that makes his comments sound bad. It absolutely is possible, and especially when you were just reading these comments in uh, in English in print. Um, the one thing we have no idea about the way things were said and. You know, translate. I mean, if anyone's looked at Finnish, I mean, every word seems to have 25 letters and like 23 of them are consonants. So, I mean, I don't know whether it's that similar to English. So I think the onus is on the interpreter to sort of take what he's saying and put it as best as possible in English. And I think Mo makes a very good point that, um, you know, there might be some things lost in translation that might make these things look like more aggressive statements um, than they may originally have been intended. Um, well, listen, great show today. Uh, for all of you that are in the... Oh, you know, let's do a quick uh, quick update for the DraftKings pool for the Open here, Remo, before we go. Watch Give out somebody, for me. Someone the day one. Where are we here? I don't... Oh, geez. I'm not doing too well so far. I'm in 38th out of 50. Right now, J-Rod 82.72 is in first. Go Jets Bombers is in second. C Platt 87 is in third. Dustin Nielsen is in fourth. T Kona Polly in sixth. I don't know if T Kona's in the chat right now, but nice work. And uh and the godfather, AZ Mitch, right there in sixth place, right behind T Kona Polly. Uh J Pan, I saw J Pan in the chat. He's at eighth right now. Let's just go in down and see some of the other people that we know. Thirsty, Atomic Kong. Remus is in 19th. Jason yeah. Jets in 20th. Larry Eloy's with us right now. Larry's in the middle of the pack right now, 23rd. Uh, Nelson P is in 27th, 18 over par pod. Those guys have been in quite a bit. I think that's Mike's DraftKings debut. He's at 28th. Uh, Dynamite's at 31st. And uh, then here I am all the way down at 38th right now. This is my team. Kepka minus one. Oh, my God. Pat Cantley plus four. Damn it. That's ugly for Pat. Tommy Fleetwood, though, pretty nice. Minus three. Cam Smith, minus three. Oh, God. Harris English, plus five. That's a disaster. And uh, Detry, plus two. Well, I need Pat Cantley and Harris English to get their crap together tomorrow and make the cut, or uh, it won't be uh, it won't be good. Um, all right. Well, listen, Reem, uh, great stuff. As I mentioned, I'm going to be away tomorrow, but y'all will be in good hands with Michael Remus and Brandon Rewicki will be coming in on the program. And then on Monday, 
when I'm coming back, Matt Leibel will be holding it down. I'm not too sure what's up with the flights. There is a chance I might be able to get back in for part or even all of the show. If that's the case, I'll try and join the guys uh, because Monday is going to be a very interesting show in that we'll have all the reaction and discussion on who is available, both from the Winnipeg Jets and the rest of the National Hockey League for the expansion draft. And uh, as I said, going to be a very busy week for us next week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Make sure you're here. Make sure you're subscribed. Turn those notifications on so you know when we are live uh, because we'll have shows all week long. Expansion draft on Wednesday. Draft on Friday. And then we get right back into next week, wrapping the draft on Monday and getting ready for the beginning of free agency on the Wednesday. So uh, the hockey talk just continues to come here on Winnipeg Sports Talk and around the league. Uh, Once again, a big thanks to all of our sponsors, Royal Sports, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend Country Club, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Assiniboia Downs, and Cool Bet Canada. By the way, if you do want to bet at Cool Bet, put in uh, promo code WST. You'll get a 100% bonus on your deposit up to $200. Um, Remo, have a great day. Thanks again for holding it down tomorrow. I know Brandon will do a great job and uh, the people will love the program. And uh, uh, I unfortunately will miss you up at Aikens this year, but uh, we'll hopefully do it next year. And in the meantime, uh, stay cool. Sounds like it's going to be a very hot, steamy weekend. Mm. Hopefully, uh, I imagine tomorrow some hot takes both in the chat and on the show from YouTube. Tomorrow's show, two straight hours, Stanley versus DeMello. Uh, just pulling <laughs> up their hockey DB pages, their player profiles. Charts. Tons of charts. going to be a lot of uh, charts and graphs being shown as uh, as Brandon and I try to tell everyone, the 78% or so that wanted Stanley over DeMello, that DeMello is actually the correct pick. <laughs> um, folks, have a great one. Thanks to everyone in chat. Oh, by the way, special thanks to Taylor for the super chat today. Really appreciated that. And yes, you're right. Tim did have some great takes. Uh, everyone else with us here in the chat today. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. If you're listening on the podcast and you're enjoying the show, do us a favor, rate, uh, give us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That always helps. And uh, most importantly, spread the word. If you haven't checked the store out already, it's up at winnipegsportstalk.com. Just click on mm. store. Got to give a shout out to my parents. Texted me a picture today. They just got the uh, WST hoodies and a mug. Very happy to get that. So thanks, mom and dad, for your support and everyone that's picked it up so far. We'll do social media contests in a few weeks on everyone uh, to tweet us pictures of the merch that they've got, and we'll give away some cool stuff from all of our sponsors. All right. Great show today. Um, thanks again to Brandon for popping in tomorrow and Matt on Monday. And of course, for the CTO, Michael Remus, for keeping the ship sailing. Looking forward to getting out to Aikens Lake. We'll miss you all, but can't wait to get back next week and talk about everything happening around the expansion draft in the Winnipeg Jets. But WST is live once again tomorrow, getting you ready for the weekend with Ruwiki and Remus tomorrow at one o'clock. Folks, have a great night. We'll talk to you in a couple days. Tune in tomorrow with the boys, and we'll see you next week on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.